Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Manhattan grand jury hearing the case against Donald Trump is expected to resume deliberations. The former president is again doubling down on what he claims is a fake investigation. People see it's bull****. And they go and they say, it's unfair. House Republicans who have written to Bragg demanding his testimony say the case should be handled by the Department of Justice. He's investigating a presidential candidate, not to mention former president of the United States. That has no business uh, being litigated in a local district attorney's office. First massive protest in Israel and growing political turmoil after Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu fired his defense minister. Many believe in an attempt to take power away from the nation's judiciary. And amid the protest, a shocking resignation here in New York City. Israel's Council General Ambassador Asaf Zamir tweeting his resignation letter, saying he has a moral obligation to stand up for what is right, and saying the reform undermines the very foundation of the democratic system and threatens the rule of law in Israel. As he braces for a possible indictment, Donald Trump is defiant holding the first major rally of his 2024 campaign. I was asked the other day, and I took a little heat for it. They said, who's our biggest threat? Is it China, sir? Or is it Russia? I said, no, our biggest threat are high-level politicians that work in the United States government. You knew, Lewis, that uh, we were in the car yesterday. It's always uh, the same deal. Lots of time on uh, Sunday mornings, lots of times. Me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, and sometimes my son, Gabriel, will make our way to Rockaway, to Bell Harbor, to check on the house. We're getting closer, thank God. Uh, Rich Clift is working his ass off, and hopefully we can be back the end of May which is not horrible considering April is right around the corner. How do I know that? I know that because baseball season starts Thursday, thank God. So we uh, we go back usually a Saturday or a Sunday morning, check on the progress with the house. We go to Stop and Shop and uh, buy some goods. 
only because uh, there's no Gristides over there. I'm a loyal Gristides guy. John, you know that. Joe Parisi. But there is not one there. So we'll go shopping, buy some Yoo-Hoo, stuff like that for Gabe. And then we go to a place called The Last Stop, which is this uh, little diner right by The Last Stop, the A train on 116th Street. And then we head home. And usually the whole excursion on a Saturday or a Sunday morning takes about two to two and a half hours. But we're in the car quite a bit, you know, traveling to the uh, to Queens, the Bell Parkway and through Brooklyn. So most of the time, most of the time, we listen to Yacht Rock Radio. <laughs> so when I hear a song that I like, I text Lou Rafino right away and uh, have him get that song ready for the next day. And there are some mornings over the weekend when I'll text Lou maybe one or two songs. That's it. Some mornings I get on a roll from in the car for two hours, like yesterday, and I may even text six or seven songs, including that one, Brandy. Most people have no idea who sang that song. The lead singer of that group was with the band Chicago, but the name of that group was Looking Glass, and that song, Brandy, is an all-time classic. How many songs did I send you um, yesterday? Let's see. Let's start at 8.58 <laughs> Sunday morning. Shut up. Well, you were in church anyway. I was not. I was actually up in Saratoga. You went to Saratoga? Yeah. We just took a weekend Who goes away. to Saratoga this time of year? Well, we go a few times a year. Why don't you go in August when Bill Parcells we is do. there with the horses? We do. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> you own horses? No. What it's do you just do? a beautiful area. Oh, there. it's gorgeous. Love it. My buddy used to live in uh, Glens Falls, not far away. Yep. I had no idea you guys did that. Yeah, once in a while. You have two kids. Look at you and MJ. But in the end, I'm starting to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like for a Sunday morning. Well, why don't you just text me and say, Sid, stop. I mean, I won't I, stop it, anyway. It but... doesn't. That's okay. It's right. just weird that it happens. What? <laughs> It's just weird. Right away, Sunday morning, like. How, well, that's why? when we drive to Rockaway. Okay. And I'm in the car listening to Yacht Rock Radio, and I'm like, "Oh my God, I really like this song. We need to play it tomorrow." Yeah, when the mood strikes you and yeah. the idea comes, that's uh, it. Yeah, because I would forget myself, so yeah. might as well. But oh my God, did you like the songs I sent you? Sure. <laughs> such a... I do. No, it's I fine. Do. Don't I, patronize I me. Like <laughs> Don't ever patronize me again. Okay, fine. You didn't I like them that much. Up. Yeah. I, I... There is one song on there, just so you know, because you, you name this guy a lot. And I love him, too. I love him dearly. And that is our former co-worker. He runs the board now, mornings for the other team, Eddie Scazzeri. Right. And his favorite song of all time is Sister Golden Hair Surprise. Yes. Oh, no, I think he likes that song. I think he likes that Looking Glass song. He does. He likes Brandy, too? Yes. Yeah. He probably loves Yacht Rock Radio. You know, the weather was gorgeous yesterday. It was 61. It was sunny. We had the windows down. Yacht Rock Radio on. And uh, John Katsimatidis says this all the time, and he's right. One of the reasons why his buildings, Ocean Drive and Coney Island, are great, besides the fact they're brand new, the amenities are great, is you're right on the ocean, right on the ocean. And as soon as I pulled in front of my house yesterday, and I'm just two blocks off the ocean, the smell, I could smell it. I can smell the salt water and the breeze, and I felt great. Now, I live on the water now in Battery Park. It's not the ocean. 
And don't get me wrong, it's lovely. It's very nice. Outside of the 19,000 dogs and the dog poop everywhere and a crazy person every now and then, it's, it's, it's a very nice area for Manhattan. But as soon as I got to Queens yesterday, I was reminded why I left Manhattan. It was just gorgeous, quiet, breezy, saw a a couple of people going to church, a couple of families, you know, these cute little kids, and I really wanted to stay home. But the problem is it's not ready, the house, and there's no beds, and there's no kitchen, and there's no floors, and so it's hard to live there, you know. So I had to go back to Battery Park, but, man, you smell that ocean, there is nothing like it, nothing. You know, that reminds me of this uh, college basketball tournament. Now, you guys know, of course, that I am uh, on record many, many times very critical of college basketball. And why is that? When I was growing up as a kid, I loved college basketball. I fell in love with Chris Mullen at St. John's, and that was it. That All those guys, Walter Berry, Mark Jackson, Shelton Glass, Bill Wennington, Jeff Allen, led by the great coach Lou Corniseca. I loved St. John's. And Big East back then was amazing. Patrick Ewing and those teams at Georgetown. Yet Ed Pinckney's team at Villanova that won a championship. Boston College, Syracuse, Pittsburgh, the Big East was amazing. UConn, right? And then they broke it all up, and Syracuse went to the ACC and Pittsburgh. And now on top of all of that, Now kids only have to go to college for one year, then they can leave. So you're not going to see Bobby Hurley play three years at Duke. You're not going to see Chris Mullen play three years at St. John's. You're not going to see Michael Jordan play three years at North Carolina. It's over. It's done. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at at info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. And the sport has taken a huge hit because of that. Huge. And to be honest, I don't follow it like I used to. I'd be watching games in November. Plus, I don't gamble, so I'd be, I'd be betting USC Pepperdine at 10 o'clock at night. But that's a whole other story. But the sport has taken a huge hit. But talking about the beach and beautiful weather, don't forget I lived in Boca Raton, Florida, for 16 years, 16. And we lived west, uh, Yamato and 441 in Boca. A lot of you folks know exactly what I'm talking about. I have a big, big listenership in Florida right now. You've got the app. It's free, 77 WABC app. And lots of you folks living here right now on the way to work own condos, a vacation in Florida quite a bit. So when I talk about Florida... For most of us here in New York, it's our second home, especially the East Coast. So I lived exactly two miles away from Florida Atlantic University. And I became friendly with a guy named Howard Schnellenberger. Who was Howard Schnellenberger? Well, Howard Schnellenberger was the guy that convinced Joe Namath way back when to play football at Alabama for Paul Bear Bryant. Howard Schnellenberger coached the Giants, the defense, in Miami, he was an assistant coach in the NFL. And eventually, Howard Schnellenberger became the head football coach at the University of Miami in Coral Gables. 
and he won a championship with Bernie Kosar in 1984 when Miami beat Nebraska. And because of that championship season, folks, I went to Miami in 1985. I had a house there already. We spent a lot of time in South Florida. I still know Bernie Kosar very, very well to this day, and I fell in love with that program and went there. By the way, when he was in Miami, the four quarterbacks on the Hurricane roster were Mark Richt, who went on to coach Georgia and Miami, Vinny Testaverde, Bernie Kosar, and Jim Kelly. So that's the program that Schnellenberger built in Miami. He eventually left, and Jimmy Johnson took over. And, you know, Jimmy's career in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys, where he won two Super Bowls, and then he replaced Don Shula with the Miami Dolphins. But Schnellenberger, uh, years and years later, started this football program at a small school in Boca Raton called FAU, the Owls. They had never had a football team before. And he ended up building the program up so big that they built a gorgeous football stadium, Glades Road, right by, I forget if it's a turnpike or I-95, I forget. Either way, gorgeous stadium, brand new, and they started bringing in some real coaches. Even Lane Kiffin, you've heard of him, Alabama, Tennessee, the Raiders. He was the head football coach at Miami. Now they got a guy named Tom Herman, who most recently coached in Texas. Big names. In the college basketball program, they had a guy named, oh, at the very beginning, they had Mike Jarvis, was one of their first coaches, out of St. John's. They had a guy named Matt Doherty, who coached at North Carolina. A guy named Sidney Green, who played at UNLV, played for the Knicks in the NBA. So they've had these big names at FAU for years now. Never had great success. The football program won a couple of games. But now, all of a sudden, the final four, the final four, the FAU Owls, Glades Road, Boca Raton, two miles from the house I lived in for 16 years. They are in Houston. Their head coach is a guy named Dusty May, and he is set to join me sometime over the next two or three days. I actually spoke to the FAU athletic director, Katrina, late last night. They were preparing for the team to fly home, a big welcoming party. He will join me the next couple of days. So that's one of the four teams. The other one, or second one, I should say, is Miami, where I went to school. They hired a guy many, many years ago named Jim Laranega, who had the Cinderella George Mason team in the Final Four. And the Hurricanes, and Jim Laranega will join me, too, over the next few days. Both South Florida head coaches, Dusty May, FAU, Jim Laranega, Miami, both set to join me. Laranega and Miami, they're on the way to the Final Four, too. Miami is going to take on Connecticut, big local story here, UConn, looking to win their fifth championship in less than 20 years. I think Calhoun won three, Kevin Ollie won one. So you got Miami taking on UConn and FAU taking on San Diego State. So two schools in South Florida, FAU in Boca Raton, and the Miami Hurricanes in Coral Gables, representing half of the Final Four, which comes your way Saturday night from Houston. Isn't that crazy, Justin? Two schools, South Florida? Nobody does it like you. That's what makes you number one. That's why That's why you're the best, bro. You're not even listening. You're hilarious. So, you know what's funny? This so, is exactly what you told me this morning. You're getting... You're getting uh, well, I am getting two of the coaches, yeah. Well, because growing up in New York, we don't care about college football here. We don't care. Rutgers is a terrible program. Terrible. And so we watch college basketball. So I get down to Miami, 
and I do sports talk radio down there for 11 years, and I'm talking college basketball, every program director there yelled at me, Sid, Sid, we don't care here. Talk about the football practice, spring practice for the Hurricanes. Talk about the Gators. Talk about the Seminoles. We don't care about college basketball. That's a regional sport. That's a northeast sport. We don't care here. Now, now FAU and Miami are in the Final Four. Now what they're talking is college basketball. But when I was there, I got killed for that. I love these program directors who basically it's the taste of the day, you know. You yelled at all the time. Like, by the way, I'm still getting yelled at by listeners. I have to tell you that ever since Friday, almost every single day for three consecutive days, listeners are yelling at me with this one. I love when they do this. Bernie is rolling over in his grave. Bernie's dead. He's not rolling anywhere. He doesn't care. He's not paying attention to WABC programming. He gone, okay? Lived a glorious, wonderful life. He's not rolling over anywhere. But I get it. Bernie is rolling over in his grave. How can you put you, Andrew Cuomo, on the air? I put Andrew Cuomo on the air. You okay? <laughs> he just got to stare. Well, I just. So I've got Katsimatidis on the show on Friday. And by the way, I was all for it. I don't care. If people want to hate listen, that's part of the success of radio. A lot of people hate listen me every morning. I get it. I don't care. And I told John on Friday, I said, look, the guy's a murderer. He's no good. You know what John said to me? You're right. But we're going to give him a chance to speak. And I'm okay with that. But the amount of hate that I got this weekend, you put Andrew Cuomo on. You stupid bastards. I'm just a host here. I don't put anybody on the air. I'm not in charge of programming. I do none of that. You put him on. I'm never listening again. Bernie's rolling over in his grave. I never got that rolling over. Stupid. That's stupid. He's dead. He don't know what the hell is going on. He's gone. And, um, again, I'm not in charge of any of that stuff. And by the way, if I was and I did put him on, so what? Don't listen. You put Anthony Weiner and Andrew Cuomo on. Oh, I did? Wow, he's really rolling. He, oh, I yeah. Think he's doing something. Oh, yeah. You did it, Sid. You Thumber did songs. it. I don't know why you would do something. Yeah, and you suspended Curtis Sliwa. And where the hell is Andrew Giuliani? And where's Lydia? What are you looking at? Shut up. <laughs> God. You're really a bad person. <laughs> I mean. Who's next? Yeah. Who are you going to put on next? I don't know. Somebody awful. Some horrible person. Did you watch my friend Donald Trump in Waco, Texas on Saturday night? Did you do that, Lou, while you were in Saratoga? Uh, no, I was uh, fielding messages from somebody. So. Oh, about uh, Cuomo? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was rolling around in my car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know he took a shot at DeSantis because he just can't help himself. Let's play this uh, number one. He's at this uh, rally Trump in Waco, Texas. And he uh, takes a jab at DeSantis. I have not heard a lot of these. I saw some of it, but not much. Because, to be honest, I was out for dinner, and I pulled one of the most embarrassing moves ever, which I'm not sure my wife and or son will ever forgive me. And I have to tell you about it because it's so Sid Rosenberg, but it was so humiliating for my family that I'm going to wait to tell you about it later. So I didn't see this whole rally. But uh, we'll play this here. Donald Trump, cut number one, 
This is in Waco, Texas, on Saturday night. Got to play it, Lou. I'm a loyalist, and and when a man comes to me, tears in his eyes, he's at almost nothing in the polls, and he's fighting somebody that's at 42, and he's got almost 30 million dollars in the bank. He's at almost nothing. He's got no cash. And I said, I can't give you an endorsement. There's no way you can win. You're dead. But I saw him, so he came and he really wanted. I said, you can't win, can you? How do you can win? Sir, if you endorse me, I'll win. Please. Please, sir, endorse me. And I said, all right, let's give it a shot. Because honestly, the Secretary of Agriculture, Adam Putnam, good man, but I never met him. I didn't know him. So... I don't feel guilty about it. You know, if you don't know somebody, I wish I knew him, actually. You want to know the truth? I wouldn't have done this. And he goes on one more, one more shot at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. This is my guy, President Donald Trump, from Saturday night in Waco, Texas. Lou Rufino, cut number two. So what happened is I said, let's give it a shot, Ron. And I endorsed him, and he became like a rocket ship. Within one day, the race was over. He got the nomination. But I did rallies for Ron that were massive rallies, and they were very successful. So we got him the nomination. We then got him the election. He said, I don't think I can make it. Remember one thing. Florida was tremendously successful under Rick Scott. Whether you like him or not, Charlie Crist, it was very successful. He was a Republican at the time. But Florida has been successful for decades. In fact, probably as or more successful than it is now. But when a man, you know, you get him elected, and there's no quid pro quo. So he gets the nomination because of you. He wins the election because of you. Two years later, the fake news is up there saying, will you run against the president? Will you run? And he says, I have no comment. I say, that's not supposed to happen. I have no comment. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. (laughs) He's a psycho. There he is, uh, President Donald Trump in Waco, Texas. That sets up. A beautiful show today. Four guests, maybe five. I want to get Dove hiking on today. There's a lot of unrest in Israel after a major decision by Netanyahu has the people on the streets very upset. So he's not booked yet, but there are four great guests booked, which include Rich Lowry, a great every Monday morning coming up at 740 National Review. Famed defense attorney Joseph Takapina, who took a part, my friend Chuck Todd, on Meet the Press yesterday morning. Tack is coming on at 805. We'll talk to Gordon Chang coming up at 840 about the latest with Putin. Looks like he's setting up nuclear stations in Belarus. Curtis Sliwa, his Monday morning visit coming up at 705. And the lovely Liz Pipko live in studio all morning long. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. It's New York's favorite talk show. That's me, sitting friends in the morning on a Monday morning on Talk Radio 77, WABC.
tried to make it Sunday, but I got so damn depressed that I set my sights on Monday and I got myself undressed. I ain't ready for the altar, but I do agree there's times when a woman sure can be a friend of mine. Sister Golden Hair Surprise by America 629 on your Monday morning. Curtis Lee was 705, Rich Lowry 740, Joseph Takapina 805, Gordon Shang 840, Liz Pipko live in studio, maybe Dove Hikind as well. It's a big show. A lot of sports today. I'll be at the Nick game tonight with Danielle and Gabriel. Thanks to Corey Zelnick, my man, Nixon Rockets. And I'll be at the Rangers game tomorrow night with Pete Morgan and Joseph Takapina as the Rangers host Columbus. Both the Knicks and the Rangers are each five seeds right now in their respective conferences, but the Knicks are pretty buried there at the five. The Rangers right now are just one point behind Toronto for the four seed in the Eastern Conference. So i got that going on the next two nights. And again, happy for my alma mater, Miami. They're in the Final Four, taking on UConn on Saturday night and FAU. Danielle took a class there, two miles from my house in Florida, and they're going to take on San Diego State. But uh, Saturday night during these games, I went out for dinner. So we went to, I guess it's the Lower East Side, me, Danielle, and Gabe, to a place called Ed's Lobster Bar. You know the place, Lewis? You've never been there, have you? I have not. Yeah. You know what they serve at Ed's Lobster Bar? Let me guess. Go ahead. Um, steaks. Yes. <laughs> so we love seafood. We love lobster. Not a lot of good seafood places left in the city. So we went to Ed's Lobster Bar. We're having a nice dinner. And they've got the games on. FAU at the time was playing Kansas State on one television. There were two TVs at the bar. Relatively small place. So it's FAU Kansas State on one TV and some girls college basketball game on the other TV. And it's about 8 o'clock. And it occurred to me that, oh, my God, 8 o'clock on Saturday night, because I taped it the day before, I was a guest on Brian Kilmeade's very popular Fox News show, One Nation. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my God, this show's about to start. I'm out for dinner in a small but crowded restaurant, and they've got college basketball on. What am I going to do? So Danielle knows... I'm not going to make it home on time to watch myself. What am I going to do? I'm going to make my way towards one of the waiters. She knows it. And she's like, don't you dare. I said, don't dare what? What? She goes, I know you. You're going to get up. You're going to ask the waiter or the bartender to change the channel. She goes, first of all, we're on the Lower East Side. Nobody here watches Fox News. They hate people like you. I said, you know what? 
I really wasn't going to do that. Of course I was. But and now that you said that, now I really want to do it. Because now I can't wait to see these responses from these liberals sitting at the bar when Fox News comes on. So all you've done now, Danielle, is fuel me to really make this happen. Yeah, how does she not know what would happen by <laughs> yeah. doing that? By well, now? I was going to do it anyway. It's like, yeah. I guess, I think I'll get, I'll get gum out of this gumball <laughs> machine and I'll put a quarter in. I think that'll happen, right? So sure. Gabe is like, Daddy, sit down, sit down. I'm like, no, I, I can't. So sure enough, I make my way towards the bar, and I point at one of the TVs, and I go, that girl's college basketball game. I'm not a misogynist. I'm not a chauvinist, but no one cares. Got to go. Get rid of it. Leave FAU one against Kansas State. Get rid of that one. The guy goes, why? I said, because I'm on TV now. He said, but you're here. I said, no, no, you, yes, that's true. I'm here. I taped it. <laughs> Did yesterday. But I got to see myself now. <laughs> yeah, I got to see gotta, myself. Gotta, I want everybody in this bar to, to watch. But me. I'm like whispering because I don't want to come off like a real Gabon, you know. So sure enough, the guy changes the channel. And right at the very top of the show, if you ever watch Brian Kilmeade's show on Fox News, they've got pictures of all the upcoming guests. <laughs> they've got Devin Nunez. They've got Carl Rove. And there's my mug right in the middle of the TV. And I swear to you, Justin and Lou, everybody sitting there is like, Oh, my God, that's you. So at this point, Danielle really wants to kill herself. She's like, I came out for a nice, quiet dinner with you and Gabe on a Saturday night, and now look what you've done. I said, D, I got to see myself. The sound isn't even on. I got to see myself. (laughs) So the waiter makes a big deal. The bartender makes a big deal. Every patron in the restaurant, they may hate Trump. They may hate me. But they thought it was the coolest thing ever because here I am sitting in a pair of ratty sweatpants and a sweatshirt all dressed up on TV right in front of them. And we did get a free dessert out of it, too, which, of course, uh, I'm no, Jewish. No, I like that. That. <laughs> yeah. I have to help the whole procedure. That's great. So, anyway. Uh, so I, what did Gabe think of that? Now everybody's yelling. Okay. They know you. Is he then, happy? then Gabe thought it was kind of okay, cool. Now it's cool. He's like, Mom, you know, it's, it's kind of cool, you know. And, and she's she, like, I knew you were going to say that, Gabriel. She can't escape, man. Boy. So she bad. can't get away from it. No, no. <laughs> and and the funny thing about Danielle is she enjoys the perks, like when we go out to, to eat or if we go to a game and they treat me like the president. And she loves that stuff. But she just can't stand the everyday how to, how to adulation. Yeah, she hates it. Like even yesterday, we're having breakfast at the last stop. And some guy comes in and he starts to yell and scream. Like he was just chosen on the prices right, and she hates it. She hates it. She's like, because all you do is care about that. I go, I don't care about that. What do you want, my mama? What do you want me to do? Would you rather people didn't like me? Oh, he's, they're yelling and screaming at you. Yes. Oh, my God, it's Sid. <laughs> no, that would, uh, yeah, that would yeah, make yeah. me nuts, too. What do you want me to do? I'm in the business of making people like me in the show. That's the job. If they don't like me and or the show, I'm not going to get ratings. I'm not going to make money. Then I'll be back working at some seafood restaurant in Boca Raton. Yeah, it's better than getting a whole pile of mud thrown at you when they walk in. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So it, it's worse. kind of a weird dynamic. Uh, the, the situation is weird in that, you know, on one hand, she, she appreciates what, what comes with it, but she hates the actual adulation part. She hates it. And my son feigns like he hates it until it happens, and then he's like, oh, my God, Daddy's the coolest. Well, until you get free stuff out of it. Free ice cream is coming. Oh, my God, look at this. A whole meal. Look, he's got this uh, little buddy, Phoenix. You know, that's his buddy. A great American. And uh, he wanted to go to this RPM Raceway on Saturday. 
So I said, fine. Hey, y'all's a good buddy. He advertises on the station. I'll make it happen. The wait on a Saturday there is about four hours. There's 2,000 people at that place in Jersey City every Saturday. So I showed up with Danielle, Gabe, and Phoenix on Saturday, and I walked in, and the four of us were in a race car in less than 15 minutes. You just don't get that if you're, even you, Lou, you're not going to get that. Uh, yeah, go right to the front of the line. Yeah, you're going to yeah, be waiting for hours, yeah, want, like every other putz. Remember gotta, the end of uh, Goodfellas when he went outside? And he's like, now nah, I'm like a real schmuck. Yeah, nothing. Eating, you know, spaghetti with ketchup. Can't even get a decent marinara sauce. Nothing. Do you want to be in witness protection or do you want the good life? See what I'm saying? I, I don't want to be that it. guy again. No. Nope. I don't want to be that guy. No. You want people yelling and screaming yes. when you walk in the bar. I don't want to wait online. No. I don't want any of that nonsense. You want them to come over, pick you out, and like, oh, uh, Mr. Rosenberg, I'm sorry. Your table is over <laughs> here. Uh, the three of you, please sit over here. Danielle, uh, your wife will take your coat. We'll, uh, well, a couple of drinks right before you get seated. Do you want to get uh, anything? Uh, the singer would like to come over and buy <laughs> yeah. if, uh, if that's okay. But, of course, that is entirely up to you, Mr. Rosenberg. That's, that's how it goes, yes, basically. You've yes. nailed it. So, yes. Is there a clip of the day today, uh, Justin? Yeah, it's in your little pile. If you just yeah, shuffle around some papers. The little there. pile is now a big pile. <laughs> right. So I don't know where it is. Well, you make a mess out of it. And uh, Well, what is the clip of the day? Just say it. Well, it's, it's obviously the Cats Roundtable. It's, table. The it's Monday morning. So. Who did he have on yesterday? That that uh, uh, I think oh. one of the, one of them is Doctor Sky, and what's and the other one? Dick Morris. And Dick oh, Morris. you know, it's funny. Yes. I saw Dick Morris on Friday across the street. Um, I wanted to say hello to a buddy of mine, and Dick Morris was there. And he goes up to me, Dick Morris, and he goes, "You know, every time I see you, I wonder to myself, what else can you possibly do throughout the day than work out?" Like, I'm so big, uh, uh, like a superhero to Dick Morris. I'm like, I'm not that big, Dick. He goes. <laughs> so he, he was outside across the street? No, he was inside. Okay. So I went to see a, a friend of okay, mine there, so. and he was getting ready to go on TV, you okay. know. And he was like, I, I, he was amazed by my body, I guess. Dick he, Morris. Because he barely walks around. It's kind of like shuffled <laughs> down the hall. I was good. We had a nice conversation about <laughs> Boris Epstein and Donald Trump. No one's closer to Trump than Dick. I mean, Dick talks to Trump about as much as Joe Tacopina does, you know. And Trump really does love Dick Morris. So he was very, very friendly on Friday. So let's hear that. Let's hear uh, my good buddy John Katsimatidis from his great, and I mean great, Sunday morning show, 8 a.m., always tells both sides of the story, the Cats Roundtable with Donald Trump's number one confidant, the great Dick Morris. With us today is Dick Morris, a strategist for President Donald Trump, President Bill Clinton. Uh, What's going on in Washington this weekend? Well, DA Alvin Bragg is uh, keeping the world waiting in suspense on whether or not he's going to indict Donald Trump. He never learns, and the prosecutors never learn, that the more they go after Trump, the more they help him, not hurt him, help him. And if they ultimately indict him and arrest him, he'll move up 10 points in the polling. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. 
Justin Alec here with your bottom of the hour sports update, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are America's best built boilers on the hardwood last night. The Nets were unable to build on their big Saturday night win over the Heat, falling to the Magic in Orlando by a score of 119 to 106. Mikel Bridges turned in another stellar performance with his 44 points and 34 minutes on the floor, but a well-rounded effort from the Magic proved too much for Brooklyn to overcome. They'll try and return to the win column come Wednesday night when they welcome in the Houston Rockets. As for the Knicks, they're back in action tonight at the Garden, getting set to host those aforementioned Rockets at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. In college ball, the Final Four has been decided in this year's NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Four-seed UConn, five-seed Miami, five-seed San Diego State, and nine-seed FAU are what's left of this year's 64-team field. And with the absence of all number one seeds, leaves this Final Four chock full of great storylines. Florida Atlantic didn't have an NCAA tournament win prior to its Final Four run this year. The UConn Huskies will pursue their fifth national championship since 1999. That's more than the Blue Blood schools of Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Kansas. Miami has a chance to win its first national championship, and San Diego State could also cut down the nets for the first time in school history. Final Four action is set to get underway this upcoming Saturday, starting with SDSU versus FAU, and followed by Miami against UConn. Looking ahead to local sports action tonight, the Devils and Islanders, they get set to go head-to-head out on the island tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Here is sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. Go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are America's best built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. conversation with uh, Chuck Todd, literally a 30-minute phone conversation on Friday afternoon because Joe Takapina calls me and goes, I'm going on Meet the Press on Sunday. So I want to talk to Chuck first, you know. Being Takapina is my friend for 43 years, and even though I'm friendly with Chuck, I don't trust him. Not on the air. Off the air, he's one of the best men I've ever met. On the air, he can be a complete jerk-off, you know. So I call him. And I go, you know, I'm friends with Takapina for 43 years. He's like, yeah, I knew you guys knew each other, but I had no idea it was that. I go, oh, no, yeah, 43 years, best friends. Polly Prep, and I go over the whole history. And then we talked about Trump, and we talked about Alvin Bragg, and we talked about a variety of political things. And then he asked about my opinion on the college basketball tournament and football, and it was a 30-minute conversation. And he said to me he was going to do something with Joe on Sunday which I relayed to Joseph right afterwards, which, of course, he never did. And instead, it was a very contentious back and forth between Takapina and Chuck Todd yesterday. I mean, very contentious. At one point, I, sh- I think Joe Takapina actually called him petty, <laughs> which is, uh, that's rough. When you call him petty, that's rough. 
So I've got a whole bunch of these cuts here, and I do want to get to those. But I've got uh, my friend back in studio live from South Florida, right down the block from Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago, making a return visit because she's great, Elizabeth Pipko. Lizzie, good morning. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Welcome back to uh, New York City. <laughs> Thank you. You love it here. I, do. I feel like I'm here more than I'm in Florida now. you got to change your intro for me. <laughs> but you're not. You come for a day or two, then you go back for two or three weeks, but your heart is here still. Sure, yeah. We'll yeah. put it that way. Yeah. What do you think about uh, our friend? Uh, you haven't been here now for two weeks. Uh, since then, this whole thing with Alvin Bragg has exploded. My good buddy Joe Takapina, he was defending him since you were here last time, but now Takapina's done this this media tour, right? He's on TV every night. Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, even did the liberal stations last week. Ari Melber, he did Sharpton on Saturday, Chuck Todd on Sunday, and it looked like Donald Trump was starting to garner some real um, almost sympathy, but then he does that picture last week where he's holding a baseball bat to Alvin Bragg's face. Even Michael Goodwin wrote yesterday in the New York Post that he blew it again, that he was starting to garner all this support and sympathy, and you do something like that, and you're reminded that he just can't control himself. Either way, what do you think about the last couple of weeks? I think it's been a lot. I'll answer your first question and yeah. avoid the baseball bat question. Um I think it's a really rough time. I think whether you love or despise Donald Trump, I think knowing that if you love the United States of America, the single greatest country on this earth, knowing that they're considering putting the former president of the United States in handcuffs and a mugshot, whatever it is that they're wanting to do, um, I think is disgraceful and I think is really, really sad. And I worry about the future. And I think everyone should, regardless of how they feel about Donald Trump. No, you're right about that. In fact, uh, Alan Dershowitz said the same exact thing as you said just now on Fox Business yesterday. And, uh, of course, he ripped Michael Cohen, too. Of all people, a felonious attorney, Michael Cohen, at the very center of this. In fact, let's play this, Lewis. Alan Dershowitz, cut number 14, basically taking what Liz Pipko just said to the next level. But we know that uh, that he lied to his lawyers. His lawyers have essentially broken the privilege and said that he lied to us. He told us he was the only one involved in this payment, that nobody else was involved. How is he going to explain on the witness stand, did you lie now, did you lie then? Nobody's going to believe him. So this is the possible case to bring against Trump. And I would hope that maybe grand jurors finally would wake up and say, look, we're not ham sandwiches here. We're going to stand up for the law. And the law says, no, you don't indict under these circumstances. See, so he says uh, not ham sandwiches because... The saying is you can indict even a ham sandwich in New York. That's why I said we're not ham sandwiches. And we hope we don't indict. To your point, we do hope that. But Trump's got to be careful here. I had another very, very dear friend call me on Saturday and say, listen, Sid, you almost had me. He's a person that was a Trump supporter, moved away from Trump. Mm -hmm. But listening to me the last couple of weeks was like, you know what? Maybe Sid's right. Maybe I should go back to Trump. And they saw the picture of Trump holding a baseball bat over Alvin Bragg's face, and some of the things he has said, not the protest remark, but some more serious stuff since then. And again, to Michael Goodwin's point, the president has to be careful not to take what really could be good fortune for him the last couple of weeks and do what he does maybe too often, which is blow it up and make him the bad guy. He's got to be careful with that. So hopefully your husband, Darren, is uh, is all over him. Is he? 
I, I can't speak for that, but you're right. I think if you know that this indictment is coming and you believe it is as um, rigged and phony as it is, you should probably be careful. I can agree with that. Right. Uh, so his best uh, move would be to just kind of be quiet, let this thing happen. If, in fact, he does get indicted and or arrested, let the people do what they've got to do, just kind of stay out of it. I mean, the problem is January 6th is not done yet. Now, we know he did not incite anything. In fact, he did say peacefully go to the, the Capitol. He did say that. But there's still way too many questions about that day. He is still facing criminal charges for that day. So the last thing you want to do is gin people up again in kind of that same respect, right? I can agree with that. Yeah. But you still love him. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you, you, you won't say anything bad about Donald Trump. No, ever. no. I think it's a really rough time, and I agree. I think things should be played a little more strategically because you right. should be afraid of what, what they could do to you. Uh, Joe Tacopina called Chuck Todd petty yesterday because uh, Chuck Todd actually brought up a tape from five years ago. Five years ago. Well, Tacopina, you know, Tacopina actually texted me last week. I didn't say this on the air, but it turns out that CNN and a bunch of other places found found old shows of Tacopina with me and Bernie where Tacopina wasn't exactly pro-Trump. In fact, it was a complete opposite. So leave it to CNN and MSNBC to find that. So they found it, and Takapina sent me some of the some of the verbiage. So Chuck Todd on Meet the Press yesterday actually found some old tape from five years ago, and he played it. And boy, did that piss off Joe Takapina. At one point, uh, at one point, I should say, doing this back and forth with Chuck Todd, he called him petty. This is a cut number twelve, Lewis. Joe Takapina. Chuck Todd, courtesy of NBC, Meet the Press. It was legal fees that was invoiced by Michael Cohen, who arranged this on his own with his own money initially, took out a loan, literally, resolved this without the president knowing, came back and then sent a bill in for four times the amount over the course of a year it was paid off as legal fees as was the invoice. But what would he suppose to put in his personal ledger? Seriously, what would he put in his personal ledger? Uh, Payment for hush money to um, quiet uh, an affair that I claim I never had so my family doesn't get embarrassed. Is that what he should put in his ledger? If there's no nothing wrong with the truth. You, want, your ledger's you keep saying, what should be in the ledger? Chuck. Should it Chuck, be the truth? Chuck, Chuck. <laughs> that, what, what, would you ever put a four-paragraph sentence into a ledger? Chuck, you're being, I, I, honestly, I think you're being a little petty when you're looking at <gasps> this now. Because there is no filing obligation. You can put whatever you want in your own personal ledger. Mm-hmm. If there were a tax obligation, that would be one thing. If he had taken campaign funds, that would be something else. This Neither of these things happened here. So you have a situation where you're looking at either, was it a tax deduction? Yeah. They pulled it out of the grand jury because they thought initially it was. He was taking a deduction. He did not. And secondly, did he use campaign funds? If he did yeah. not, he used personal funds. And the test, again, is would he have made that payment regardless of the yeah. campaign? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes by all accounts. Wow. Joe Tacopina calling Chuck Todd Petty. Was that hot for you? <laughs> Pretty hot, right? That's how I would describe it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you watch me on Saturday night on Brian Kilmeade's television show? Don't kill me. I did not. No. What were you? Oh, you, you were your yes, I have a grandmother uh, in the hospital. You have a very good. I have an excuse for a lot of things yeah. right now. Yeah, you really. Well, that that is taking up a lot of your. your, your how was she doing, by the way, Grandma? Uh, she's okay. I don't want to jinx anything. I get very yeah. nervous. But she was taken off a ventilator a few days ago, which she I was, was told, on a ventilator. Yes, I was told that very rarely happens. So I'm I'm pretty relieved right now. Oh my God! Well, you got the call on Thursday that she was like going to die, basically, right? And yeah, I was but she's rebounded. She your grandmother. She is the strongest person I know. So yes, how I old really is she? So. She's 89 years 89, old. 89. Okay, and she lives in Brooklyn. Yes. Okay. 
So you may have to stay here an extended period of time till she gets better. Already. I will do whatever she needs. Oh, yeah. you love your grandma. I do. Yeah. Well, we all do. Mine are both dead, but I, I did. Well, I loved one of them. <laughs> my mother, my father's mother was so evil in Rosenberg. She was a horrible human being. Horrible. I mean, terrible. I had a uh, cousin named Jeffrey, and he died a very young man. We were very close growing up. He died at 27 years old of a very rare form of cancer. But my grandmother always played favorites, always. And she loved that family, the Groman family, out of Shorty, Long Island, more than mine. Whatever reason, my mother, I have no idea. So Jeffrey passed away. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Danielle and I, we got married. And we were taking Grandma Ann to the movies in Brooklyn, Knapp Street, you know. And um, we got into a fight. And she actually said to me, she looked at me straight in the face with my wife sitting in the car and said, why did Jeffrey have to die? It should have been you. Oh, jeez. Okay. That's my grandmother. <laughs> Grandmothers are special and they always have favorites. Let's just leave it there. It should have been you? That, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma Ann. All right. 1-800-848-WABC. That's a true story. 1-800. Sorry, Dad. 848-9222. Oh, boy. We got a huge joke coming up. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Joseph Takapina, Gordon Chang, Dove Hyken, Liz Pipko, and more. Not even an hour in on this epic Monday edition of New York's favorite talk show. Sitting friends in the morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Do it. Yes, we'll get to Curtis Sliwa momentarily, then we'll get to Rich Lowry, Joseph Takapina, Gordon Shang, Dove Hyken. I'm waiting for Hyken to call in because of this um, going on in Israel right now. Calling this a, uh, the unions are calling it a historic general strike. Netanyahu expected to halt judicial reform plan. Netanyahu fired his defense minister, and the people in Israel have taken to the streets. So my friend Liz Pipko back today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're an Israeli citizen. I didn't know that. I am. I'm a dual citizen. You are. Are you allowed to talk about the Israeli soldiers with your husband, Darren, <laughs> the way you just spoke about them with me? Yes, I am, actually. <laughs> you think the, the Israeli soldiers are the hottest men on the earth, right? On the face of the earth. On the whole yeah. face of the earth. Hands down. Hands down? Yeah. No one even close. 
Now, why is that? No, maybe they like the NBA players here. Oh, you like close. the NBA yeah, players? Yeah, they get That's close. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NBA players and Israeli soldiers. Yeah. You, th- you seem to think this is going to be a very, very big deal here in Israel, yes? I, I mean, know, it's, so it's already, right now. Yeah, yeah, it's already yeah. a big deal. It's, it's scary. It's a small country. Passions are really, really high on both sides. So I just, you know, worry about, worry about Israel. And now, I like Netanyahu, mm-hmm. um, but he is very similar to Trump. And what he did here was very Trumpian, yes? <laughs> yes, that's yeah. one way to put it. Yeah. He just uh, said, I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's it. Right. I mean, it's it's maybe what he got voted in to do, but the other side is very passionate in Israel. Both sides really are, and the kind of protests you see there, much like the kinds of parades and celebrations you see there, are often a lot bigger than what we're used to here. Yeah. So it, it's a lot to watch on TV. Now, why did he fire this guy in the first place? Um, I could be wrong. I believe he stood up against him in this judicial reform plan. Right. right. So if you stand up against Netanyahu, you get fired. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. <laughs> well, we're going to talk to Dove Hyken. He just texted me uh, in a couple of minutes. But we do put this time aside uh, every Monday and Wednesday, Friday, for the icon, the legend, owns noon to one every weekday afternoon and, of course, owns the weekends as well. Back from suspension, and thank God he is back because he's great, is my uh, good buddy Curtis Sleva, who uh, savaged me yesterday with Andrew Giuliani. Don't think I didn't hear that. I didn't hear it, but somebody told me about it. Totally, totally. By the way, Tone Loke, what about Roxanne? Why didn't you come in with Roxanne? Yeah. So pertinent to Stormy Daniels and Trump. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, conflate the music. What am I, a schlub? What am I, a schmendrick? Listen, this is kind of like the people that have been yelling at me for three days. Why did I put Andrew Cuomo on the air? I didn't do that. So if you have a musical preference, you know that my DJ is Lou Rufino, Ask him, and he'll play it for Look, you. Look, he'll never play disco. It's supposed to be a disco Friday, right? You you, you indicated disco Friday, and I'm always disappointed because he plays some classic rock and roll like we're back listening to WNEW. <laughs> you know, Allison Steele. He's not a big disco guy. You know, he, 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 can you tell by his rock no, and roll No, no, no. He voted against me on the commission, so I got it in for him, right? Yes, he did. Him and Macedonia Phil, mm. who has since been basically taken off the show because well, of this. Well, you know, I showed up with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you think Trump was the first to do that? Come on, in the neighborhoods we grew up in, yeah. the guy would open up the trunk of the car and say, yeah, you know, I tried to convince you you didn't listen to me. I tried to bribe you. You won't take my money. Now I'm going to make your kneecap singing ring with my Louisville slugger. I love the Rocky Calavito Louisville slugger because oh, yes. it had a little Bronx action on it. Yes. Anyway, wh- why are we surprised? Why are we surprised? We grew up in neighborhoods where guys walked around with baseball bats off season. No, and I you say, what the hell are you walking yeah. around with a baseball well, bat? Well, one, of those, um, one of those gangs, those guys in Coney Island, that were featured in the movie The Warriors. They had baseball bats. What were they called again? The bo- the ball guys? No, the Gambinos. They hit me. <laughs> they hit me. Remember, thirty six times on the Lower East Side <laughs> Avenue, A. St. Mark's Place. Can I mention who they were? Because I really hate them so much. Yeah. There was Ruggiero Kaplan, one of your people. Yeah. I guess he didn't go to Baruch like you to become an accountant. <laughs> and then uh, naturally McLaughlin, right? Yeah. They tooled me up with baseball bats. They broke every bone in my body. And yet you still haven't learned your lesson. And I still talk trash of about course. them. And you were in their neighborhood on Sunday in the Great Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Oh, it was so good. Oh, the Irish came out in See, mass. I'm, I'm shocked by this because I spent a lot of time in Bay Ridge as a kid. I went to Poly Prep, Diker Heights. No, no, no. Poly Prep Day School. Yes. What a wuss. Don't be jealous. Come on. Um, don't be jealous. What kind of real men go to Poly <laughs> I go to Poly Prep Day hey, School. Let me tell you something. These were tough guys. 
Danny Pagliano's father ran the Fulton Fish Market. Gary Hanna's father owned pastels. These were real men. And, and then let's guys. face it, you have Takapina coming out. Takapina, uh, other I, I idol. They weren't tough guys. They knew right away they were Maytags. They would become lawyers because the wise guy said, Curtis. you guys are going to go to law school because we're going to need you to get us out of jail. Let me tell you how tough Takapina is. Do you know to this day, to this day, he still owns the single-season NCAA hockey record for most fights and penalty minutes in college hockey history. What team was that's that? A tough guy. What team was that? Skidmore University. Oh, Skidmore. <laughs> that's another one. I went to Poly Prep Day School in Skidmore. By the way, did you ever have a conversation about your very dear friend Takapina with Bernard Carrick? No, what was that about? Oh, my God. Oh, here we go. Did he leave Bernie Carrick uh, hanging? Uh, uh, and by uh, the way, uh, you had to do an intervention with Chuck Todd. You had to try to soften him I up did, before I the did. interview. Yes, yes. Shame on you. And he still screwed me, Chuck Todd. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea there were that many, that many Irish people in Bay Ridge. Where do they a live ton, on third? I don't know. I don't know. They live there or they return there. Remember, they may be living in other parts, but they return there. What a celebration it was. And then I went to the Golden Imperial Palace. The biggest Chinese catering <laughs> hall in New York. Surprise birthday for Curtis Lewa with Lester Chang, who you've had on the uh, the assemblyman there. Our birthday's March 26th. Well, happy birthday. I know it was your birthday this weekend. Lester Chang actually came? Yeah, well, he was there. Oh, that's a big By deal. By the way, so there are hundreds of Chinese. You know how they love to gamble. So they're taking side action. <laughs> what month, what day this year do we think he's going to get whacked? <laughs> I kid you not. What they said? Yeah, they're taking taking action. You know with me, right? Yeah, well, I know very well, yes. Yes, I do, Curtis. Where were you? How come you weren't at the Golden Imperial yeah, Palace we, to celebrate my, my birthday? Now, when was this? It was yesterday, right after the uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade. Yesterday. Oh, I hate to do this to you, but I, I had some errands to run. And then I watched a movie called wait, wait, wait. Errands, Cocaine Bear. Oh, Errands, you, you had your tidy whities <laughs> starched. You had to get your underwear starched. And by the way, I got a critique of Sid Rosenberg, Mr. Fashionista, yeah. with Brian Kilme. First of all, they put these two, I mean, boring guys on before you. Devin Nunes and Carl Rove, people are falling asleep by the time they get to you. And then you show up with a black shirt on, like you, you've just come out of, like, a front table at some mob joint. And then they have this effeminate guy. They go to a block package, speaking in a voice. I said, is this a transgender that Brian <laughs> was interviewing? And he's wearing a black shirt. And I'm saying to myself, what a fashionista clash. Didn't that guy know you don't wear a black shirt? If Sid wears a black shirt, I couldn't hear what you guys were saying. But I did see the Chiron say, AI is scary. And I said, here we go. Brian Kilmeade and Sid Rosenberg talking about Allen Iverson. Oh, yeah, how he took that bowling ball in Virginia, killed that white guy, got a pardon by Governor Wilder, the first black governor of Virginia who thought he would become president and not. Oh, yeah, AI. He is a very scary guy, Uh, Allen Iverson. He is, but it was artificial intelligence. We're talking about uh, basically identity theft. How if I call you and I get your voice on tape, it only takes three seconds for me to steal your voice, and after that, everything you own. Not Alan Iverson, a different AI. You, you tried stealing my voice, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, go ahead. Steal my voice, right? <laughs> you want to see a Louisville slugger? I'll pull it out. No, I'll do a Trump on you. Listen, listen, by I, the way, hold I on. I love you to pieces, but I don't want half of the problems hold on. What got. the hell was that? You're sitting there with Brian Kilmeade and Judy DeAngelis, and you're unscrewing... 
Oreo cookies? Hold on a second. First of all, Judy DeAngelis was the voice on 1010 Wins for about 50 years. That's that's who no, was there. this was Jackie DeAngelis. No, no, it was Judy I know Judy DeAngelis. Don't <laughs> no, tell me. This was Jackie. It was I, Judy yeah, DeAngelis. Now, the, the, that story was, we did three stories, how in Scranton, those people don't want Joe Biden to run again, even his own neighbors. The second one was the AI story you're talking about. And the third one, the Oreo cookies, is here's MIT. Right, you got diseases out there still killing people, like my dear friend Bernie died of cancer. All these serious issues, and MIT is spending hours and hours and thousands and thousands of dollars trying to figure out why, when you open up an Oreo cookie, cream only ends up on one side. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell you, it was a double-stuffed Oreo cookie. And then Sid steals all the Oreo I cookies. Did, and I love You snorer. You're such a snorer. You took all the Oreo cookies. By the way, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, yes. uh, it's primetime graduate, the biggest criminal in the history of America, Sam Bankman Freak. Yes. Sam Coin, which is Scam Coin. Remember, he looked like he fell out of a bunk bed in <laughs> summer camp, scratching his belly, flies hanging around his head. Yeah. The guy was on Adderall all day, Polly amorous at night, having sex with monkeys, and people were giving him billions and billions of dollars. Hey, where's the $38 billion? I don't know. I'm, I'm having sex with, I don't know who today, I'm polyamorous. Yeah, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Ten of these freaks graduated and burned down cryptocurrency, the Ponzi scammers that they are, Bitcoin bandits, and oh yeah, blockchain criminals. By the way, your very dear friend Eric Adams, I noticed... He doesn't say anything about bitcoins anymore, huh? No, no, no. Well, he learned his lesson. Oh, he learned his lesson. Yes. yes. He almost went bankrupt. Well, listen, you, you learn things through experience. There's nothing wrong with that. You can try new things, and, you know, people evolve. They change their mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, by, by the way, you're really super soft. Joe Nolan tells you I got 101 fever. Yeah, he has a fever in his foot. <laughs> he was half in the bed last night, right? Oh. No doubt about it. Exactly. So he calls you. you up and says, I got a fever in yeah. my foot. But, and then we got to listen to Gnome laden do traffic. How, how, how unimpressive is that? Well, I think he's doing a pretty good job. He sucks. He sucks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Poor Gnome. Oh, Curtis, Curtis, Curtis. Oh, by the way, and then the worst. It made me want to projectile vomit. Yeah. Dick Morris feeling your muscles. What are you going to get into a hot tub with Dick Morris? So homoerotic, so early in the morning. Did I really need to hear that Dick Morris was feeling up your muscles? I have to tell you that I've met Dick Morris on other occasions, and we never really had any any back and forth, anything. So I was surprised on Friday when he was that, I guess, uh, genial, if you will, and very complimentary. So sure. I enjoyed it. Sure, you had eyes for you. <laughs> yeah, I hey, saying me and Sid, man. Yeah. Well, you want an Oreo cookie? <laughs> hey, I'll do an Oreo cookie with you. There'll be plenty of double stuffing in between. And then you tell this story. Oh, I worked at a seafood restaurant in Boca Raton. You were the, you were serving trafe. What kind of a Jew are you? A BLT Jew? <laughs> I actually worked there. 
I got out of rehab, and I needed a job, and there was a place called L&N Seafood at the very entrance of Town Center, which is a gorgeous mall in Boca Raton, and that was my first job. And I made about 70 bucks a week with tips, maybe 150 And I made the biscuits. They were famous coders for these biscuits, which the old people loved. And they would come in these old yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, and they'd be stealing the yes. biscuits and putting yes. it in their pockets. And you would have to feel them up to get the biscuits back. <laughs> and don't forget, uh, you had to take, they, they would take the sugar packets, sweet and low, steal everything from the restaurant, those old doctor cockers. And they want me to make them 20 more biscuits. I had to make myself. By the time they left, and they walk in there, they go, oh, we love Sydney. He's just like our grandson. By the way, they're on fixed incomes. He's lovely people. If they give you ten percent, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, they tell you fixed incomes, right? Meantime, they're at the Bluebird Special with Sydney <laughs> serving them trade. Oh my God, Hashem is turning over. Can't believe it. I'm going to rat you out to Dove Hyken. You were serving trade to these old Aldecots. Meantime, did. they died because. Back then, they went to Florida to die. And they Not find anymore. out that they had the money, the scatol in their mattresses and the wall, millions and millions of dollars, and they're stealing sweet and low and sugar packs and your freaking muffins or whatever the hell that was. They spent like 80 bucks a day when you combine all three meals. They go to Poppy's in Delray for their bagel. They have a very, very small lunch. They go to Ellen and Seafood for dinner. Of course, of course. And they've got millions and complain, of dollars. complain about everything. everything. There's a spot on oh, my cup here. My soup is cold. That's this right. Sydney, oh, take this cup no, back. I want another no. cup. Hey, my mother was the same way, right? Yeah. And she wasn't one of your people, well, the chosen people. She was Italian, people. though. She was Italian. Italians hey, and Curtis, Jews are very a, similar. There, uh, there's, a, there's a spot on my coffee <laughs> cup here. Mom, what do you want me to do here? You want me to go back into the, the, the back there in the kitchen and start fighting with everybody? <laughs> Curtis, I'm not drinking from a cup with a spot on it. Mom, you got two pockets full of sweet and low. Would you please put it back? But I grew up during the Depression. We didn't know from day to day. Mom, this is embarrassing. I'm New York City's number one crime fighter, and you're shoplifting sweet and low and sugar packs That's off the true. table. Yeah. You know, the same way they go to a little motel, motel, hotel, Holiday Inn Express, all along Ocean Drive years ago, the old Altacockers. And they would take everything with them. Oh, I know. The soap, the shampoo, the robes. All of a sudden, you go to their house, you say, well, why do you have the holiday in towels in your bathroom, right? They steal everything. Oh, it goes with the price of the room. Nineteen ninety nine, it's like a super eight motel, a motel six. My These are your Ann, peeps. No, my grandma Ann was like that. She stole she would go to the Rascal House. And she would steal their salt and pepper shakers. Oh, and then they go to Wolfie's, 99 yes. cents, pancakes and eggs. And then the other guy said, hey, please, give me a little bacon on the side there. <laughs> you know, don't let my rabbi know. Uh, please, a little, little slice of bacon there. Uh, 99 great. cents of Wolfie's, and they would keep filling up the coffee. That was all watered down, like Sanka instant yes. coffee. Oh, yes. my God. My mother used to drink that Sanka. But I'll bet she was probably saying, hey, give me the fifth or sixth. And then they would say, oh, my God, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, think about why. She drank Sanka and she drank Tab and the three places which you oh, just Oh, Tab, mentioned. you know who loves Tab? Who? That Mama Luke Frank Morano, oh, right? Oh, he does? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, the terrible, most vile, terrible. disgusting. The only thing more disgusting was that was my father loved celery soda. And that's disgusting. Wait a second. Was that Dr. Brown's? Yes. Your peeps, right? <laughs> oh, only Jews can drink Dr. Brown's. Celery it. soda. 
Never heard of anything like that before in my life. Awful. Black Jerry Cream. But Wolfie's, Pumpernick's, and Rascal House, those are the three big spots for the Jews down in South Florida, who again celebrating this morning with half of the teams in the Final Four from South Florida, FAU from Boca Raton, and Miami Hurricanes from Coral They're trying Cables. to fix those games, right, like they did at City University of New York when Jews ruled college basketball in the 50s. Damn right. Look at that. Look at that. Your microphone is flaccid. It went from being turgid to flaccid. Uh, Curtis, you were great. Thank you again. There he is, folks. Noon to one every weekday afternoon, all weekend long. And he's great on our show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning at 7.05. The great Curtis Sliwa. More to come, including Mitch Lowry, Joseph Takapina, Gordon Chang, Joel Tykin, and the lovely Liz Pippo. Monday morning with me, Sid, on WABC. Wow. She wanted to do Twenty twenty four is the final battle. That's gonna be the big one. If you put me back in the White House, their reign will be over and America will be a free nation once again. I want to break free. That was Donald Trump from Waco, Texas, that big rally, kicking off his 2024 rally campaign Saturday night. Thousands in Waco, Texas. My man packed the house. Which Lowry coming up at 740. He's always great on a Monday morning. 805, famed defense attorney, my dear friend Joseph Takapina. He got into it in a big way with Chuck Todd on Meet the Press yesterday. He'll be here at 805, 840. Gordon Chang looks like Putin now is talking about putting together a nuclear station in Belarus. And, of course, Putin and, and uh, Ping met last week. So we'll talk to Gordon Chang about Russia, China, all the countries that wake up every morning trying to figure out a way to destroy us. That'll be at 840. And then Dove Heikend on what's going on in Israel coming up at 930. I did uh, mention uh, in passing quickly during the Curtis conversation when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That uh, yesterday afternoon, I watched a movie, me, Danielle, and Gabe, and I was dying to see this movie, and I loved it, and the name of the movie is Cocaine Bear. Have you heard of this? I have not heard of it. You never heard of this? No. All right. So, uh, Justin, have you seen this movie? No, but it's... I want to see it really bad, actually. No, it was great. So, the story is, first of all, Ray Liotta, uh, that's his last movie he died in. true story, you know that, right? True story. So Leota plays uh, the drug guy, and he, he died right after that. So they actually uh, do- do- dedicated the movie to Ray. And Ray plays a character named Sid. And Ray has a son and a grandson in the movie. This is unbelievable. And the grandson is Gabe. So all I heard was Sid and Gabe. <laughs> you know how crazy that was, Liz? I can imagine. So here's the story. So this, uh, like, drug cartel is dropping cocaine 
They drop it from planes. You know how that works. Of course. And then the people run over on their – you're in Miami. You do know, of course. <laughs> they run over, pick up the cocaine, and, and do what they have to do. So they drop all this cocaine in Nashville, but the guy parachutes out of the airplane and dies. So there's nobody on the ground to pick it up. But the next thing you know, this big grizzly bear – it's a true story – comes walking by, and this thing starts to eat and sniff and play in the air. <laughs> And the grizzly bear gets wired out of his face, wired out of his face. Now, there are blocks and blocks, kilos and kilos, and all this bear does is want to eat cocaine. So the next thing you know, you got Leota's character. They're the bad guys. Then you got the cops. Then you got the park ranger. Then you get this innocent family with Kerry Russell as the mother, all in this area, looking for loved ones and cocaine, and the bear... Is doing all the coke and getting angrier and angrier. And the scenes are so gory. It's like Jaws, ripping off arms, ripping off legs. But there's a comedic style to the movie, too. So it's gory, it's funny, it's a true story. And the bear ends up doing all the coke. All the coke. You, Justin, you got to see this. That bear does more coke than you do on a Saturday. And you do a lot. Well, listen, I'm not a grizzly bear. So, <laughs> no, I know. That. Uh, you know, big, big shoes to fill there. Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but by the end, doesn't it just pass out and die, right? He doesn't. Well, you would die. Any well, normal yeah, person, obviously. Not, the bear doesn't die. Don't spoil no, the but in movie. Re- it, yeah, well, don't, don't tell oh, me. No, yeah. I mean, because I it's know. a true story, Liz. And like, <laughs> the, the bear doesn't die. Yeah, but in real life, the bear died. He had like a heart attack. He went into cardiac arrest at the end. What are you talking about? Who told you this? That's what the news story is. That's what the movie is No, the bear never on. died. In fact, the bear had two cubs. Okay. Two little cubs. And the two little cubs started doing coke. Oh, my God. Yeah. That can't be allowed. <laughs> you can't make it up. It's hilarious. It's it's really dumb, but it's a true story. So it's funny. It's gory. It's all those things. Check it out. Cocaine Bear. Now, you live in South Florida, and uh, a lot of excitement in South Florida right now. Yes. Again, the FAU Owls and the Miami Hurricanes. But you don't follow college basketball. I don't. You're just saying words to me right now. They mean nothing to you. No. Do you even know where FAU is? Uh, yes, I took a few tests there. Oh, you did? Blades yes. Road in Boca, so did my wife. Sure. And yeah. I'm sure you passed Miami and Coral Gables. Yeah, of course. Okay, so you know the schools. But you are not. You don't care about the, the basketball. You were a big pro basketball fan. I was, yes. No, how come not anymore? I think I just got lazy, but also I think I was such a big Miami Heat fan that once I kind of broke up and Chris Bosh retired, I had no one to It's so to funny you it. mentioned Chris Bosh, because I was there during those days. <laughs> right. In fact, I was uh, on Larry King's show. Live from Jay Z's club in New York City wow. when LeBron James announced, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. I remember. And I was doing my sports shows in Miami, and they were mad at me. Why are you in New York? You're one of us now. He's never one of them. <laughs> um, but you mentioned Bosch, and he was like, of the three, yeah. he was clearly third. It yeah, was yeah. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and then, oh, yeah, that guy Bosch. But you love Bosch. I do love Bosch. Because he was on Jesse on Nickelodeon. Did you know that? I had no idea. Yeah, my son loved it. When he was a little, little boy, Chris yeah. Bosch was on Jesse. Okay. No, I didn't know that. So why do you love Bosch so much? He I was mean, actually a pretty big disappointment in Miami. What? First, I, I'm going to get the year wrong. I think 2013. Didn't we win because of Chris Bosch no, no, in a certain no, shot? Yes. No, yeah, no. we did. No, 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 no. Yeah. You there was his you. moment. There was a Ray Allen moment. There was, yes, it he, wasn't really LeBron, he, he, actually. $100 million he hit one, one shot, uh, one shot. Ray yeah. Allen did hit a big three to win the game. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, after, big after LeBron missed it. I yeah, that's right. Very good. Yes. So you, uh, Pat Riley, loves you. Is that true? Well, no, I love Pat Riley. Uh, but didn't he send you a note? I, do. Or I have a note from him in my box of special things, which is pretty empty. My box of special things. Yes. Now, how do you get Pat a note Riley's from Pat Riley? I'm curious. 
Um, I honestly don't know. I think my dad ran into him somewhere. I'd been obviously a giant Pat Riley Miami Heat fan. I think I'd like interacted with him at some point. My dad reminded him of my existence and he sent a note to a very happy teenage girl. And you weren't even, you were like in Israel or something, right? At the time? My dad was, I think he oh, ran into your me. Your dad was, yeah. Because Riley, uh, in my first book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly, which I wrote back in 2010, I had uh, celebrities and athletes and politics, all these people. Right write chapters about me in the book, and Pat Riley actually wrote a chapter about me. It's my favorite chapter. Uh, of course, he coached the Knicks mm-hmm. before he went to Miami. Now he's been there for 20-something years, and he's built a bunch of winners. Yep. So I love Pat Riley, too. And of course, he was at the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You remember that? I Magic do. Johnson. Yes, yes. You know the whole Pat Riley history. I do. Uh, do you see yourself ever going back to Heat games? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. You see, always... you're so busy with Trump. I, I don't know where this comes from. I don't even work in politics. Well, your husband does, though. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I'm at the games. I'm having a good time. I don't know anything about politics. You haven't gone to a Heat game in years. I haven't. You're not even caught up on FAU and Miami Hurricane basketball. That will never happen. You hate the Dolphins, I'm sure. I would probably guess wrong if I guess what sport that was. Right. Yeah. Go with football. You've heard of Dan Marino. You're in Miami. You're in Miami. I just, some sports, I just, it's never going to happen. You don't go to Prime 112 or Prime Italian or any of these places? I don't go outside. You see Lawrence Taylor, Michael Jordan, uh, Dan Marino, Shaquille O'Neal. No, you know who Shaq is. You were there when he won a championship in Miami. I definitely know who Shaq is. That was probably your first taste of heat basketball. My first taste was him and Dwayne Wade. Right, and they won it. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Even though Alonzo Mourning outplayed Shaq in the playoffs. Did you know that? I think Shaq was more popular. Was he more popular for his personality than yes, a lot of yes, his talent yes. at that Still point? is, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. No, no, I remember adoring him, but it wasn't. For the well, how come you're not a, but you claim you're a New Yorker. I am a New Yorker. Well, how come you're not a Nick fan? I I mean, I was a Nick fan. You I went are to such a, few a games. phony. No, no, no. You know, not, the more I, I get was, to know you, you got a pretty on, face. Hold on, hold on. But, oh, are you a phony? I was in love with Amari Stoudemire. That happened <laughs> quite a bit of time. Because he was Jewish. He wasn't Jewish yet, I don't think. Oh, okay. He wasn't into it. Not, I don't know. But when he Nazi was Jewish, then you really went nuts. I mean, that helped. (laughs) Then I went to Florida, started experiencing basketball, and I had to support, like, the team that was there. Although, when I went to my first Miami Heat game, Chris Bosh played for the Raptors in Toronto. He did, yes. I fell in love with Chris Bosh, not Miami Heat. What do you love? It sounded like Liz said he Well, no, no, he wasn't into it yet. He wasn't into being Jewish yet. (laughs) He's, like, really Jewish. He wears a yarmulke and the whole thing. Yeah, uh, he went to my shul here a few times, too. He did. He He went to your shul. Uh Look at this. Went to shul and can dunk. That's it, man. You're telling me. How do you miss the Dolphins? Oh, if, if, if you can dunk, if, and if, and by the way, she loves the Israeli soldiers That's because right. she thinks it's, I swear to God, she thinks it's hot that they carry like uh, little uh, humashes in their pocket. So they it's a sidor. Da- sidor. So yes. they, they, they daven before they kill somebody. I didn't say that. Well, maybe I, just, I said that. I just said they daven in general while looking good. <laughs> I hate that we have to kill you, so. Baruch. Uh, All right, let's play some hoops. (laughs) Oh, you must really love Israeli soldiers that play basketball. What about an Israeli soldier that can dunk? How hot is that? No, I don't don't like to mix the two. You don't want to mix the two? No, no, no. I don't blame you. Well, we got to get to uh, Rich Lowry. (laughs) I am baffled. Now in the Republican-controlled Congress, I serve on the House Oversight Committee. And we are investigating the Biden family bank records. Oh. 
And you want to know what, Waco, Texas? It turns out I was right all along about my articles of impeachment. Joe Biden should be impeached. He's corrupted, and he's not fit to serve the President of the United States. And he sells out America every single day because his family's been paid. You follow the money, and sure enough, the bank records don't lie. So pay attention to the Oversight Committee and our investigations. We have the receipts. <laughs> Joe Biden is compromised, and he is a danger to every single American. Got to tell you, I like Marjorie Taylor Greene more and more every day. I really do. And she's a psycho. Don't get me wrong, but she was in Waco, Texas with Trump on set. What? She's, what she said that's, made that's sense. Appro- that's an appropriate disclaimer. You have to squeeze that in there. That, that, she, what? that she's a psycho. She's a psycho. You have to say that. Yeah. Appropriate that she was in Waco, the wacko that she is. <laughs> yeah, what I a know. nut she is. But she's right. She may be a nut. She is a nut. But she's right. You've got a president about to be indicted here in New York for nonsense. And you have the sitting president involved in all kinds of real corruption, millions and millions of dollars with our enemies. And he goes on TV with his stupid aviator glasses as if everything is okay. That's Marjorie Taylor Greene's point, And she may be a psycho. She is. But she be right. Rich Lowry is the editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC, all that good stuff, and a great Monday morning guest with me, Rich. Good Monday morning, buddy. How are you? Good, brother. How are you? I'm great. And again, Marjorie Taylor Greene, like her or not, what you said there, 1,000% true, yes? Uh, it's true, and she's made herself the center of the action. I mean, she was key to the whole Kevin McCarthy drama, trying to get him elected speaker. Now she's a, a featured speaker at Trump rallies. She's got to be on a VP list for him. So, yeah, she, she's uh, a little wacky, but she's she's played it pretty well. Trump's had a great couple of weeks. All those polls up anywhere between 15 and 27 points over Ryan DeSantis. I'm talking about Fox News polls, Emerson polls, Quinnipiac polls. Doesn't matter. But um, folks that were coming along, if you will, that moved away from Trump and they were coming back, now telling a different story after the picture came out a couple of days ago of Donald Trump holding a baseball bat over the pictured frame of Alvin Bragg. And uh, the, the remarks to me were, he's doing great. Shut up. Don't do stuff like this. You look like a maniac. That's, you know, that's dangerous. You got people in the blah, blah, blah. And I didn't react the same exact way because I really despise Alvin Bragg. And I'll never be sympathetic to Alvin Bragg ever. But, but, are some of those people right? Yeah, there are a number of things he said I wouldn't say, but look, this is his approach. You know, when he said he was going to get arrested on Tuesday last weekend, it clearly he wasn't sure about that. It was just a grenade over the parapet to kind of soften up brag to drive drive attention to these issues and heighten emotions. And then it's just like a Bruce Lee style hail of fists. You know, whatever he's got, he's going to use. And um, you know, every day this doesn't happen. I think it's likelier that it that it doesn't happen at all. 
and then he'll get to claim victory. And I think he's in a win-win situation. He gets indicted. Uh, he'll be a martyr for a lot of Republicans, and I'll drive support towards him. He doesn't get indicted. It'll be a sign of how strong he was, and, and he beat this back and drive a lot of Republicans to him. So this is a good period for him, that rally, you know, thousands of people. And this is the thing. I mean, he's the ultimate showman. There's going to be no other candidate who's going to uh, buzz his crowd with a jet while uh, the, the speakers are blaring Danger Zone from Top Gun, right? It's just <laughs> not going to happen. That's the quality he brings to the race that uh, no one else can match. I mean, even Ron DeSantis, Thursday night with Piers Morgan, had a couple of opportunities to throw some haymakers, and instead he went with the little jabs, little right jab, little left jab, yep. did not go with the money shot. And people are saying, well, listen, Ronnie, you got to get to the point at some point where you fire back in a big way because Trump been kicking your ass for months, you know, yeah. and, and eventually he's going to knock you out. So at some point, Ron has to get a lot nastier if he's going to compete because right now he's not competing. Now, he's not running yet. I get that. It's not official. Maybe that changes when he officially runs. But at some point, DeSantis has to get tougher. Yeah, and I thought that the, the notable thing about Piers Morgan interview is a little bit of a crack because he, DeSantis' approach all along is like, I'm not going to engage, I'm not going to engage. And then he engaged a little bit. You know, as you say, he didn't fully engage, right. but he kind of engaged. Yeah. So it shows that, that Trump moved him. I still think he's got to basically stick with his approach. Uh, Nose down here in Florida, we're going to do this legislative session, and then the day after he announces, probably in June, you know, do do your speech, make your message, whatever you want to be. And the next day, you got to just find some reason to punch Trump straight in the mouth to show that you can do it. So Trump's the odds-on favorite. Uh, I think people last week or so now are counting DeSantis out too much. I mean, he still has really favorable ratings among Republicans. He's still looking pretty strong in some polls in Iowa and New Hampshire, which which matter probably more than the national polls. But there's no doubt that uh, there's a big gorilla standing between him and the nomination. He's going to has to find a way to wrestle him to the ground. Right. And the beauty for Donald Trump is he's had the floor the whole time. He announced what? November, December, I'm running again. Yep. And while, like you said, DeSantis is uh, talking about some nonsense in Florida, <laughs> you know, Trump is out there talking to the country, uh, rallies yeah. and getting people all ginned up. So he already starts way behind the eight ball, Ron DeSantis, because Donald Trump's doing his thing. Yeah, and Trump, Trump's thing is like, no rules apply to me. I'm just going to say and do whatever I want, which I think for a lot of Republicans comes off as strength, even if some of those things he says and, and does uh, may, maybe uh, aren't prudent or going to come back to bite him one day, but just no rules uh, apply to me. And then you have DeSantis playing by the rules and being very strategic, and no, I'm not going to engage. And uh, I think that just, just the, uh, the way that feels, the mood music around that favors Trump. I think you're exactly right. What do you think about this whole thing with TikTok? I know AOC was talking about it this week, and it looks like we're going to outlaw TikTok here in the United States, the Chinese gathering information, uh, certainly very dangerous. What are your thoughts on this whole TikTok story? I thought the, the testimony is pretty disastrous from the CEO last week. I mean, the problem is it's it's owned by a company that is part of the Chinese national security apparatus. But, you know, you talk to kids, and, and they, they use it so much, and you say, don't you have concerns about your information? They're like, no, we don't care. We assume everyone has our information anyway, you know? Right. So uh, it's going to be highly unpopular uh, among uh, younger folks if, if it's actually banned. So I think Biden, you know, is trying to do a forced sale. Maybe that'll happen. But I, I do think the current situation is unsustainable. Unsustainable. All right. So you expect it to change. Something is going to change. Yeah, and it's it's bipartisan. You know, this is this is yeah. uh, something that both sides agree is a problem. Did you see uh, our good buddy Chuck Todd yesterday with Joe Tacopina? 
I thought Takapino was uh, marvelous. You did, uh, okay. You know, because Chuck no sense. He'll go on any show. Yeah, he's cogent. He has an answer to everything. I, I thought he was uh, terrific. He's actually coming up with me in about uh, ten minutes. Takapina eight oh five and. Look, you know, Chuck and I, you know how close we are. We are good friends, as you are with Chuck. And I actually had a pretty lengthy conversation with Chuck on Friday before this Takapina conversation. And I was surprised between you and I that he came out with that video that, uh, the, the, you know, the, 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 yeah, the five years ago yeah. with Takapina. I mean, you yeah. know, MSNBC does that stuff. CNN, they gin up all this old stuff in an attempt to discredit the person they're interviewing, and, and I really thought Chuck was above that. That, that kind of pissed me off yesterday. I know it enraged Joe Tacopini. He's going to kill Chuck Todd coming up at 9. <laughs> but he, but he handled they... it wonderfully because he, he didn't didn't seem like he was enraged and yeah. he was ready for it and had a had a cogent answer, and that's that's how you win an interview like well, that. Well, but it's easy to win because there's no case. You know, I mean, uh, people like Chuck and the rest of these networks who start every show every morning, Don Lemon, Joe and Mika with, oh, my God, well, here we go, we're getting the president. They have to know there's no case here. So instead of trying to find something and try to discredit and embarrass people who are actually on the right side of the law, move on. Go, go to, like, January 6th or Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, uh, what are those now? Totally Georgia. I mean, they just can't see straight because they hate Trump so much. And so uh, Chuck had Preet Bharara, however you, however you say his name, on. And, and yeah. you know, he couldn't say it's like a strong case, but he's like, well, let's let's try it. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Which is not, yeah. not the attitude you should have you know, dealing with someone's freedom potentially. Well, I mean, well, yeah, but don't, not, don't not forget, someone. people may, may forget this. Preet was a big deal here in New York, and Trump fired him. So, mm-hmm, so he's right. always got the uh, the hard on for Donald Trump, but that's fine. Um, so, what is the um, what are the what are your thoughts on Thursday tomorrow at nine oh five? The president, you ready for this, Rich? The president of the New York Yankees, Randy Levine, is set to join me. Yankees, how about that? How about that? Yankees open up Thursday in the Bronx, four game set. They start with interleague play against the San Francisco Giants. Injuries everywhere, pitching, all kinds of issues. Yet most people think they'll win the AL East. What are your expectations for the Yankees three days before opening day in the Bronx? They got a, they got a real challenge. The, the Blue Jays are are not to be trifled with. Uh, they're they're totally stacked. Delighted to see that they actually meant what they said when they said there was a competition for shortstop and the best man would win. And they actually gave the job to Anthony Volpe. Sort of surprised me. That's that's I thought that was fun. Uh, but you know we haven't talked about this this major issue stalking the nation. Um, last last month or so, which is the pitch clock, which I'm I'm fervently in favor of, have have uh, uh, advocated for for uh, probably a decade or more. Yeah. The games are totally out of control because the players are taking advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think you, you needed you needed a pitch clock to bring it back to San. Yeah, I like it too. We used to have this pitcher on the Mets. He actually gave up the home run to Mark McGuire, where he broke the record, and his name was Steve Traxel. And uh, Steve Traxel's nickname was. The human rain delay, <laughs> because yeah. he would take like a minute between each pitch. It was brutal. Fix his cap, touch his pants, touch his shirt. Just throw the damn baseball. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Let's play. Well, you know the original human rain delay, Mark Har- Hargrove. I went back yes. and looked at a video of him. Great hitter, by the way. Texas but, Rangers. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it, it was bizarre in like the late seventies or eighties. He did all that adjusting his glove every single at bat. Now it's normal. Yeah. Like every yeah. for whatever reason, every hitter adopted that that mode of of uh, uh, operation, and it's yeah. a killer. It's just a killer, killer if you're a fan. Lenny Dykstra did that. He spent more time holding his penis than his bat. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know, the great Derek Jeter. You really have to have a timeout. 
Like during I mean, every really, seriously, <laughs> right. But put the hand up there and all yeah. that nonsense. But with all that said, we're very excited. Your Yankees and Giants get going on Thursday. My Mets and Marlins get going on Thursday. So it's a very, very big week, which means, Rich, the nicer weather is coming to New York. Absolutely. All right. Uh, play ball. Play ball. Well, listen, uh, as always, you play ball. You were great this morning. Thank you for this terrific Monday morning conversation. We'll do it again next All week. Right. Thanks, Ed. Talk My to man, Rich Lowry, National Review, the editor, of course, also Politico, NBC, does it all. He is a great Monday morning conversation. Still a lot more to come, folks. Only about halfway done. The aforementioned famed defense attorney, Joe Takapina, fresh off his beating of Chuck Todd on Meet the Press yesterday. He'll join us next. We'll also talk to Gordon Chang, Dolph Hyken, Liz Pipko. We'll play the game. It's a big Monday morning right here with me, Sid Rosenberg, on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Come on! fees I was invoiced by Michael Cohen, who arranged this on his own with his own money initially, took out a loan, literally, resolved this without the president knowing, came back and then sent a bill in for four times the amount over the course of a year it was paid off as legal fees as was the invoice. Right. But what would he supposed to put in his personal ledger? Seriously, what would he put in his personal ledger? Uh, payment for hush money to um, quiet uh, an affair that I claim I never had so my family doesn't get embarrassed. Is that what he should put in his ledger? If there's no nothing wrong with the truth. You, want, your ledger's you keep saying, what should be in the ledger? Chuck, should it Chuck, be the truth? Chuck, Chuck, <laughs> that, what, what, would you ever put a four-paragraph sentence into a ledger? Chuck, you're being, that, I, I, honestly, I think you're being a little petty when you're looking at <laughs> this now. Because there is no filing obligation. You can put whatever you want in your own personal ledger. Mm-hmm. If there were a tax obligation, that would be one thing. If he had taken campaign funds, that would be something else. This Neither of these things happened here. So you have a situation where you're looking at either, was it a tax deduction? Yeah. <clears throat> They pulled it out of the grand jury because they thought initially it was he was taking a deduction. He did not. And secondly, did he use campaign funds? If he did yeah. not, he used personal funds. And the test, again, is would he have made that payment regardless of the yeah. campaign? And the answer to that question is a resounding yes by all accounts. attorney, number one defense attorney in the world, friend of mine for 43 years, Joseph Tacopino, who's exploded on the scene. And, of course, you guys who are big fans of mine know I'm friends with Chuck Todd for many, many years, many years. Chuck has been there for me in the past when I've had some of my personal difficulties. So I was looking forward to see how Chuck Todd, meet the press, was going to handle a guy that he knows is my best friend for 43 years. And Joe Tacopina just kicked his ass all over the canvas. He called them petty. I loved that. Chuck uh, brought up something from five years ago. It's kind of embarrassing. And Tacopina did a tremendous job, let me tell you, tremendous 
of explaining it away. This guy's been on every radio, TV show, Republican, Democrat. He doesn't care because he comes with the facts. And, yes, he represents President Donald Trump. Uh, Not this case, not the Alvin Bragg case, not Mar-a-Lago, not January 6th, but he knows what he's talking about. Here he is, back on the big show, my main man, Joe Tacopina. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Sid. So, you know, I'm glad I'm glad um, that I had my guard up yesterday because there was just something about Chuck Todd and, and his history with how he, how he reacts and treats President Trump that made me think, okay, I'm glad he's friends with Sid. Let's see how this goes. I had a transcript ready from that five-year-ago interview, thank God. And, you know, the only disappointing part was I, I, I thought I was going on Meet the Press, which, you know, has a, has a modicum of respect and prestige. And it wound up I was almost going on Jerry Springer. And it was, um, it was, it was disappointing. But I think that's what happens in some world. You know, it People does. They lose their it minds. Does. They yeah. lose their minds. And then Chuck Todd sent me this afterwards. He goes, and I quote, if, if you knew I was reading this on the air, you may get upset. I just don't care. He goes, tell Joe my wife was impressed with how he defended Trump without defending Trump, if you get my drift, which I don't get your drift. Um, but <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? But but I was disappointed because I had spoken to Chuck last week, and, you know, I, I always hope that there are going to be times when the media, who suffers from Trump derangement syndrome even more than the average person on the street, is going to show that, hey, this is a dog case no matter what, and if is going to come on, I'm going to give him the respect. A, he's defending Trump, and B, I don't really have a case against Donald Trump, but they just can't do it. They just can't do it, Joe. They can't. And you know, Chuck Todd's response to that again, it was disappointing for someone who you know has 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 considered a respectable journalist, not some of these slapstick people you see, you know, going on MSNBC for five minutes and they don't know anything about anything. Chuck Todd's a respectable journalist, yet he went on there not fully understanding the law of campaign finance. That was clear from his questions yesterday, and that was that was was a little. Well, well, I want you to talk. I want you to talk more about that and emphasize that because you said the same thing to me yesterday morning afterwards that you were disappointed and you couldn't believe he did not know the law. What did he say or not say that proved that to you? He, it, what he simply said was, you know, when I was trying to make him understand that the law of campaign finance is very clear. If if there is personal funds being used as opposed to campaign funds, that's a big distinction, first of all. Can you imagine, Sid, can you imagine that if Donald Trump paid for that, that settlement, that civil case settlement with Stormy Daniels, with campaign contributions, they would be leading a charge to prosecute Trump. They would be baying for his scalp, okay, because they'd say he used illegal uh, campaign funds on personal use. It's it, You can't do that. It's improper. But because he did it the right way, they're now trying to jam a, a theory that somehow it was really a campaign expenditure when it's not. It's very simple, the law, in this regard. It's not murky. Yeah, it's the, what's murky is that no one's ever been prosecuted under this theory, but the law is simple. It's simply that if he had, Donald Trump or anyone else, had any reason to make that payment irrespective of the campaign, Okay, then it takes out of campaign finance law. Like I I used an example yesterday. If I'm going on a campaign, Sid, and I want to look as good as possible because I want to try and get votes, I want to affect the campaign positively, I'm going to go buy a new suit, right? I'll buy an expensive suit. I won't wear my, you know, old rag from uh, 15 years ago, okay? That's a that will certainly benefit the campaign if I look sharp and good and I don't look like I'm, uh, you know, a hobo. 
But on the other hand, that's a personal expenditure. That cannot be considered campaign funds, yet you're benefiting the campaign. So anything that benefits the campaign doesn't make a campaign funds law that governs. And here, this was something that was a nuisance settlement in a civil case where even that lowlife Michael Cohen under oath when he was pleading guilty to his litany of crimes, even he said this was done, oh, yeah, it would positively affect the campaign, but also it was done for personal reasons to prevent the president and his family from embarrassment. Right. So he had many non-electoral reasons for trying to keep the allegations quiet, most notably family harmony, protecting his family members, especially his young son, Barron, and, and, and you know even preserving his future viability as a television personality in case he lost the election. So if you have reasons to do it that are outside the campaign, make it an expenditure, and you use personal funds, there's no issue. Nope. But I'm his lawyer, so everyone expects me to say that, but that's the law. But if you've been watching these shows, left, right, in the middle, you know, former members of the FEC, including the chairman, Bradley Smith, has gone on national television and said exactly what I just said. That is the statutory law. So when Chuck Smith's saying, well, this sounds like it should be an issue to go to court because, Stop. you know, you say this Stop. and I say this. Stop. And I'm like, Chuck, you don't understand the law. No. You know, I, you just, I said, I kept saying you're conflating two issues. You can, again, he kept going to the personal ledgers and stuff like that. I mean, which is a non-issue if there's no underlying crime. If he didn't have a filing obligation, then there's, you can put what you want in your own ledger. And it wasn't a lie. It was, in, in a sense, legal fees, by the way. It, it was something that was a legal settlement for a legal case that was done and orchestrated by a lawyer who then billed him. And I, what, what else are you supposed to put in the ledger? No, listen, it's totally legal. You mentioned Bradley Smith. And uh, as we speak, MSNBC is running on the scroll. Grand jury expected to meet today in quote-unquote hush money case. But they're interviewing a guy named David French. And uh, French wrote an editorial in today's New York Times. And you know nobody hates Donald Trump more than the New York Times, except for maybe Chuck Todd. And uh, his column says, and I quote, he's talking about it right now, which I'm sure is not making Joe Amica happy. He's saying, quote, to indict former President Trump on this case is, in quotes, unwise. So it's becoming a a, a bipartisan thing. Republicans like you know there's just no legal issue, and Democrats, they don't care about that. They're worried about the political ramifications, which can come back and bite them. So on both sides right now, people are coming to the quick realization there's nothing here, nothing. It's, there, there is, I, I, that's why I'm baffled. I keep saying I can't believe I'm still talking about this. There is no legal theory that brings this into court. And if they bring this, it just goes to show you this is a prosecutor playing to his, his, his financiers. This is a prosecutor who is allowing his office to be weaponized to go after a political opponent who they deem to be, you know, strong. Um, it, it, it's everything this justice system is not about. You know, in Nazi Germany, in, in, in the Soviet Union, in China, they they find the person they don't like, and then they go find the crime. Right. We never – that's something that's – I just said it. Sid, I swear to God, the, the hair on my neck just stood up saying that yeah. because that's not what we're supposed to do in this country. Yeah. Yeah. That is what's happening, and we're getting to the point where that's what it's going to be like. This is going to be the new playing field. Next time you have a Republican prosecutor and a Democrat in office they don't like, is this going to happen? Because this is the new norm now. Yeah, it's going to happen. Forward, yeah. you know, you, you, the damage it, here will be so far, yeah. far lasting. It's, it's mind-boggling on a case that is not even a case that you can bring legally.
Right. But it's interesting you said the, the office of Alvin Bragg because I know Chuck Bill's the same way. I've heard a couple of people say, because, look, we've got the bullseye on Alvin Bragg because we hate him because he allows criminals to walk the streets in New York who commit more and more crimes. That's why we hate Alvin Bragg more than this Trump thing. But in terms of the Trump thing, I've heard a lot of people say, and I think you just said it, too, that uh, it really not, it's not really not Alvin Bragg, that there are people in Alvin Bragg's office that Bragg kind of figured out after Cyrus Vance this was a loser but the pressure was put on Alvin Bragg by the people in his office, maybe by the progressive Democrats, and that's why he kind of revived this thing, that it really wasn't his idea. you believe that? I, I, I do believe it because he, you know, that's why that Mark Palmer has left in a, with a temper tantrum and a huff and went and wrote a book in violation of grand jury secrecy laws, you know, complaining about Alvin Bragg not having the balls to go forward against Donald Trump. You know, that when that happened, when that book came out and he went on 60 Minutes, all of a sudden, Alvin Bragg had a newfound interest in the Stormy Daniels case, the zombie case, as they called it, because there's no crime here. So it's like of all cases, this is the one you're bringing. Even Pomerantz in his book said that. Um, and how do you bring a case based on nothing but the word of Michael Cohen? Um, think about that, Sid. I mean, no prosecutor in their right mind would do that, especially when you understand the ramifications here. The ramifications here are are so much more than one individual going before a judge at 100 Center Street and getting arraigned on an indictment and, and, and having to fight a case. The, the ramifications here are to absolutely confirm weaponization of the justice system, which is why we had that new committee in Washington, D.C., the House uh, Judicial Oversight Committee, which looks into weaponization of the Department of Justice. It's so horrible that we have to have a committee like that now, <laughs> but uh, obviously we do. And by the way, I don't know if you've been following, but they've been sending some very terse letters to Alan Bragg saying, no, 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 you have some answering to do. You're spending federal funds. We have a right to look into this, and I want to understand what are you doing? Um, and they've been very aggressive with, with Bragg, and Bragg's basically, you know, wow. by all accounts, thumbing his nose at them. But not a good idea to do to a, a congressional committee. And we'll see where this goes. This is everything here is so unprecedented. All I could hope and pray is that someone got to this guy and said, yeah. listen, this is. Well, well, what do you think? I, 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 I think that uh, the more days that go by, and there is no indictment, no arrest, tomorrow would be a week. When Trump said he was going to get arrested, the uh, the consensus is the more days that go by, the more likely it is that Bragg is going to leave this thing alone. Your money right now. Bragg still brings charges or he leaves it alone? See, I'm like one of the last holdouts that, that believes that, that he doesn't bring charges because it's an unsustainable case. Said, I don't understand the legal theory they proceed under. What they're hoping and what, what, what I guess Chuck Hobb was sort of saying yesterday, ah! Let's bring the case anyway. We'll see if it makes it or doesn't make it. Sounds like we have an interesting debate. Just put it. No, that's not prosecutorial discretion. Prosecutors bring a case, especially a case that has, and I was a prosecutor. When you have the impact that this case is going to have, the long-lasting impact on this country's, you know, fiber, you don't just bring a case and, ah, see what happens if the law can fit, it doesn't fit. Maybe we get a good judge who hates Trump and, you know, he doesn't dismiss the case. And, you know, maybe we get a good New York jury who doesn't like Trump, a very blue jury. And, and, you know, I I sit back and I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're in for because (laughs) I've I've tried a hundred cases in front of New York juries. And I'll tell you, you know, they're a savvy group. They don't, I don't need, uh, you know, MAGA 
members of the jury. Okay, I don't. I need human beings with a brain and a conscience and, and yeah. someone who wants to be able to go home and look in the mirror. That's all I need in this case. They don't have to like Donald Trump. And, right. and New Yorkers are savvy and smart, and I don't underestimate them. So if they're if they're banking on bringing a case that's unsustainable because juries hate Donald Trump. Uh, I think they're going to have another thing coming. <laughs> well, listen, you've had a very busy couple of days. I know Friday you're on with me and John Katsimatidis. Saturday, television with Al Sharpton. Sunday, television with Chuck Todd. And i got to imagine President Trump's already called you five times this morning. It's not even 9 o'clock yet. <laughs> so, Correct. It's my wake-up call. <laughs> <laughs> How many, uh, on the way out, 30 seconds ago, how many hours a day? I'm being an honest question. Yeah, Do you yeah. spend between phone calls with Trump, who calls you every morning to wake you up, between phone calls and his case, how many hours a day do you devote to President Trump? About 28. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have other cases going on. You win every one of those as well. You are the best, the greatest defense attorney and even a better friend. And as long as I've known Chuck Todd, I was so happy that you mangled him yesterday. So... Congratulations, Joseph, on, on another great appearance here and with Chuck and the job you're doing. I'm proud of you. I love you. Keep coming back, brother. I'll talk to you on Friday. Okay, brother. Thanks. Hey, wait. Well, I, am I going to see you tomorrow night at the Ranger game? Let's go Rangers. See you tomorrow night with uh, Pete Morgan. Huh? Yeah. And Matt. And bringing Matt, my son, so it'll be fun, man. Oh, uh, that's going to be great. Me, Joe Tacopina, Matt Tacopina, Pete Morgan, Rangers Blue Jackets at the Garden coming up tomorrow night. We'll take a short break. Lots more to do, including Gordon Chang, Dove Hyken, Liz Pitko, and talking about Pete Morgan, Sid Steak, all coming your way on a Monday morning on New York's favorite talk show. That's me. Monday morning, Joe Takapina, which is great. Been a great show already. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Joseph Takapina. We'll talk to Gordon Chang coming up at 840. Some really serious stuff going on with China, Russia, Putin, with some nuclear uh, threats now out of Belarus. We'll get to that at 840. Dove hiking at 905. Israel on fire this morning. Protests everywhere. Netanyahu fired his defense minister, and they have taken to the streets of Israel. We'll talk to Dove Heikind. And then we'll uh, we'll play the game. Big week for sports, too. The president of the Yankees, Randy Levine, will join me tomorrow. The Yankees start their season in the Bronx, opening day Thursday against the Giants. I may also talk to Steve Cohen this week, the owner of the Mets. Bill O'Reilly's working on that one. Mets open the season Thursday in Miami against the Marlins. And of the four 
final basketball teams, college basketball teams. Two of those coaches are going to stop by this week, FAU's coach Dusty May and Miami's coach Jim Laranega. So lots of sports coming up this week with all the politics and the news. But yesterday afternoon, it was a beautiful afternoon, you know, Liz, 61 and sunny, and the weather's been so dreary. Hasn't been very cold, not a lot of snow, but dreary, you know? Yeah. So we decided to take a walk, me and my beautiful wife. We had to go to Wall Street, one of the few buildings they left. They left Trump's name on the building <laughs> on 40 Wall Street. Not it's for a Trump. Long. I know they're taking them all down. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's 40 Wall Street. It's called the Trump Building, and there's a Dwayne Reed in there. Mm-hmm. And years ago, we lived down on Hanover Square, and my little boy Gabriel got his medication there, and they still send some of his meds to that specific Dwayne Reed. It's about a 10 minute walk from our apartment in Battery Park. So we walked there yesterday. And we're walking towards the building, and um, my wife noticed something which I see every day, which is this art exhibit, Mm -hmm. and it's called Monet's Garden, the great uh, Claude Monet. Yes, I've heard of him. You've heard of him, (laughs) yeah. So I'm not a huge art guy. I mean, listen, I I appreciate the arts. I I like Broadway. Mm -hmm. I like classical music. I've been to the ballet, and I've been to Soho, many different art stores, and I've done all that stuff. I, I, I don't hate it. But I don't love it. But yesterday, I just wasn't in the mood. I you know? can understand that. Yeah. So Danielle's like, just do this. And, right, and I'll, right. Yeah, right. Um, so it was actually kind of lovely. And he has some beautiful paintings. And for about 45 minutes, I got out of the Sid testosterone, right. guy mode, Trump, baseball, and just <laughs> I appreciated the art. But you told me this morning, this is unbelievable, that your art background is very impressive. Not my art background, but yeah, my grandfather was a very, very famous artist. And Come on. Any smidgen of talent I have is, is all him. What's funny about you is uh, you hear about once or twice a month. We love when you come in, by the way. Thank you. And a lot of these stories, somehow you get connected to. So if I'm talking about the Miami Heat, well, I was friends with Pat Riley and Chris Bosch. If I'm talking about Donald Trump, well, Larry Trump is my best friend. That's Never true. said that. Never said She's that. not your best friend? <laughs> She's up there. <laughs> Maybe she's your husband's friend, Darren. I don't know. But all these stories you seem to have your tentacles in. So even art, your grandfather, is, the, is he the most famous Russian artist ever? I don't know if ever. I think at one point in time, definitely in like his generation, he was very, very well known. And then when he escaped uh, the former Soviet Union, it was a very big deal. Came to the U.S. He painted um, people like Golda Meir, Edley Wiesel, uh, Dizzy Gillespie, B.B. King. I mean, Everyone, and you know. Did he, did he make money on these paintings? What did he sell them? I mean, everywhere. No kidding. He didn't do another job, so he definitely had to make some money. So, so, and he, he was a pretty wealthy guy, right? So he did well. And he did very well. Do you have yeah. any of his paintings in your house right now in Florida? Um, yeah, I have a lot of his stuff. You do? Uh, to me, like, I don't think growing up I realized how big of a deal he was. So to me it's more important. Like, I have, like, his sweater that I wear regularly. You but, do. Isn't yeah, it nice? Say, you, this, this is what happens. You have to die first, basically. <laughs> Now, the, the poor guy, God bless grandpa, he's dead for five years. Now his art's great. Now I wear his sweater. But when he was alive, and he would really love to hear stuff like this. No, oh, my God. He heard it all the time. We were very close. I you was named after close. his mother, so I was actually, oh, okay. and I'm his only granddaughter, so we were very close. See, I would want the gold in my ear painting. Who has that right now? I believe it's in a museum in Israel. <laughs> no, it's not. It is. It's in a museum in Israel. I think so, yeah. So did he live in Israel, too? or No, he was just a very prominent Jewish artist. He did a lot of... Um, Jewish work, and I think he was kind of known for that because he escaped, obviously, as a proud Jew who wasn't allowed to paint what he wanted back in the Soviet Union. No kidding. Yeah. This is a very, very big deal. Thank you. I'm just finding out about this. (laughs) 
I'm a new story more and more every time I'm here. I know. Well, yeah, I find yeah. out more I'm and more things. Them. Yeah. You have a lot more stuff out there, don't oh, you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the Miami Heat stories are the ones I really want to get to. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know how deep that goes uh, No, no I, I, uh, Lou has a guess. Lou? Uh-oh. <laughs> Let me hear it. Let me hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? So uh, is is your grandmother still alive? The one? Yes, yes, she is. She is still alive. Mm-hmm. Wow. And where does she live? Uh, they lived in Soho since they got here. And well, that makes sense. She's an artist. Yeah, it was like a very famous like artist building, I believe. And she's still there, your grandma? Yes. She wow. Is. I had dinner in Soho on Saturday night at Ed's Lobster. Uh, Place. Have you heard of it? No. Yeah. I made them put on Brian Kilmeade's TV show because <laughs> I was on it, and the patrons are like, oh, my God, that's you on TV. I'm like, no kidding. Wow, look at that. Who would have known? It's better than throwing <laughs> tomatoes at your face because no, Fox they, News they were is very on nice. TV. They Good. were very nice. I mean, Good. I'm sure they hated Fox News, right. and my wife was furious. I can imagine. That I had to put the TV on, but um, and the sound they wouldn't put on because you had the FAU basketball game of on. Course. But it was still kind of cool to be sitting in a restaurant, a pretty uh, populated restaurant in New right. York City, and, so, and they had the show on. So I want a piece of all your grandfather's art. How do we get that? How much do they cost as paintings? They're not cheap. Not cheap. No. Give me, uh, give me like an average price. Are we talking fifty thousand, a hundred thousand? Somewhere there. Really? Yeah, I really honestly don't know money. Hunter Biden charges uh, seventy-five thousand. I know. My Who's grandpa a better artist? had nothing on Hunter Biden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter you. Biden, I don't think, ever painted gold in my ear. Never. No, I no. really, really don't even want their names in the same sentence. Uh, I know, but it's, but he has, he sells something so I know, I know. He's got to make deal. you nauseous, right? I don't think if my grandpa was alive right now, he would love oh any of Oh, my God, no. He, no, he's no. not pleased right now. Oh, this. boy. Where's yeah. your grandfather? Is he buried here in, uh, up here in New York? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, what's his name? Uh, Mark Kleonsky. Mark Kleonsky. Yeah. Doesn't sound Jewish, does he, Lou? Really? He sounds. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no. yeah. He does sound a little re- Russian. Yeah, he's uh, from from Belarus, actually. Belarus. Which is on the news right now. I know. He's Putin's... not happy with that either. No, he's I'm not sure. Ha- no. Yeah. You sound like the listeners right now. He's rolling over in his grave. If I hear that one more time, he doesn't know what's going on. He's done. He's oh, finished. he knows. He he's knows. at a party somewhere right now with. Who was his favorite person, your grandfather, besides your grandmother? Me, I think. Oh, you probably. <laughs> oh, Monet. He's with Monet right him now. Him and Chagall, actually. I oh, were displayed Chagall in the same place. Great. He worked with him at some point. I think he worked with Chagall. I want to get the story right, but they were their art was displayed <laughs> together. I think he was like his student or something. Get out of here. Yeah, this is all on Google, by the way. So well, can't be well, making well, it up. Well, but yeah, maybe no, you wouldn't make this stuff maybe up. Maybe anyway. he's partying with Chagall. Right yeah, now. there you go. I great. hope he is. Yeah. Well, another very interesting story from Liz. We've got uh, Gordon Chang and Dove Hiking coming up next. It is. Uh, let's take a look at the clip of the day because I do like this one. Because now Dick Morris and I have become very Who's friends with Dick Morris now. <laughs> well, why does that bother you? That's, I think it's funny. It is funny. The, the last thing I thought I uh, would hear from Dick Morris is basically I'm built like a superhero. He was, his eyes were fixated on me for like a good five minutes. You were his uh, Oreo cookie, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard this morning. What goes into those arms? I'd like to know. He goes, how. do you have time to do anything else the rest of the day? I'm like, yes, I'm doing this right now. Play this? You dropped a bomb on me? 
running out of these songs. It's hilarious. This is how the Gap Band, my buddy Yitzi Calderon, I hope he's listening from Solomon Schechter. Yitzi used to love this song. We'd go to, like, Malibu's or you name it, the Underground, the Xenon. He would go nuts when this song came on. The Gap Band, you dropped a bomb on me. Gordon Chang. You know, next time we do a uh, Sid and Friends thing in the New York Post, which John Katsimatidis does every couple of weeks. I love him for that. And there's uh, 12 pictures. And I want to put some new people in and take some other people out. Not that I don't love the other people. They're, they're still friends. They'll always be friends. But, like, I have to put Liz Pipko in there. Plus, she's great to look at. And I got to put Gordon Chang in there because he's, he's been great. And I got to put Lara Trump in there. And uh, Boris Epstein, who's on every week now, he's on tomorrow with Randy Levine and Bo Deedle. So I got to make some changes. Gordon, you can follow at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. And uh, if you want to know about Russia or China or North Korea or a host of places around the world, he's the best. He's the one to speak to. So here he is once again after another big week between China and Russia, my dear friend Gordon Chang. Gordo, good morning. How are you, pal? I'm fine, Sid. Thank you so much. Great to have you. Tell me about this meeting last week between Xi and Putin. Do we know anything, what they talked about, what what came out of that? What do we know, if anything? We only know a few things. Uh, we'll find out more later on, but a couple things. One of them is that when Xi Jinping was saying goodbye to Putin on Wednesday, she said, we are witnessing changes. Changes are coming that have not occurred in the past hundred years. And then he said to Putin, you and I together are driving these changes. So what the Chinese ruler was saying basically was that uh, the United States is done and that the world will be ruled by the Chinese and Russians acting together. Now, there were some agreements signed. I don't know how significant they were. But we do know that these two countries are acting very close, and they are working to take down the existing international system. Did they at any point say America? I mean, it's easy. The inference is there. You're right. It's easy to figure that out, Gordon. But did anybody hear them utter the words United States? No, uh, but Xi Jinping didn't have to do that because about 10 days before, um, he actually did say the United States. This was at the National People's Congress meeting in Beijing, where he gave a very dark speech, which he talked about the U.S. Uh, and then it was followed up on the fall. This is March 6th. March 7th, Qin Gong, the new foreign minister, then talked about conflict and uh, coming and was mentioning the U.S., so Xi Jinping laid the groundwork at the beginning of this month. You know, it's funny. Uh, here we are, you and I, talking for seemingly months now about the danger China poses to the, the United States, and certainly uh, to a certain extent Putin. I think that's exaggerated, but I'm really scared of China, not really Russia. But here's Donald Trump over the weekend saying, folks, stop, calm down with China and Russia. The real danger in the United States is right here, whether it's Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, these are the people that will be the downfall of the United States before any of these other folks outside this country. Is that hyperbole or something something to that, what President Trump says? Well, there's something to it, Sid. Uh, obviously, we've got problems internally, um, but I focus on what China and Russia are doing because China and Russia actually are aggravating the problems here. Um, you know, with their large um, bot operations, they are 
stirring the pot. And a lot of the problems that we have here have either been caused or aggravated by China and Russia. So, yeah, well, there's a lot of stuff going on, and we got to deal all of it at the same time. Joe Biden is on record saying, quote, he doesn't take the Xi-Putin relationship lightly after the meeting. Okay, great. Here's my uh, question. What are you going to do about it? Well, he's not, uh, Biden's not doing anything about it. He keeps on saying to the Chinese, we don't want uh, conflict. Okay, that's understandable. But he keeps on saying that. And I think the Chinese understand that. And as the Chinese talk about conflict, talk about war, talk about the U.S. as being evil, well, I think Biden needs to start to protect the U.S. And he's taking some steps. Um, It's not entirely 100 percent awful, but clearly Biden is not working with the same uh, determination and the same urgency that the rest of us should. Take TikTok. You know, he says, "Okay, I'll support the Warner legislation on, on social media. But Biden, uh, by his own power, under the International Emergency Economic Powers Act of 1977, can ban TikTok, which he obviously needs to do because it poses two critical national security threats. So this is Biden sort of slow walking the Chinese. And, you know, with all the problems about Hunter Biden, this really does lead to questions about who is running the Oval Office, the American people led by their president, or Xi Jinping dictating to Biden. Well, you kind of intimated right there something which I've been saying for a long time, as did my late great partner Bernie, which is this guy is so compromised because of the relationships that his son has and uh, had and still has, whether it's the Ukraine or China or taking money from the, the mayor of Moscow's wife, all these countries that are seemingly our enemies Uh, Reports are, and we've got some proof here, Hunter Biden's been in bed with all of them. And if Hunter Biden's in bed with them, the odds are Uncle Jimmy and uh, Joey, his father, and uh, his sister and a host of others are involved, too. So you don't put it past the president to do something that could hurt this country because he's compromised. Yeah, I don't put it past Biden at all. Remember, um, two weeks ago, the Hunter Biden legal team said, well, you know, Hunter Biden received uh, a lot of money, like $650,000 or so. And this was, quote, good faith seed funds. Well, that is an admission of corruption because nobody would pay that type of money. The only explanation is corruption for paying that type of money in these circumstances. That money came from China. Um, We know what's going on here. And we have the president actually not telling the truth to the American people about his family's relationship with China and with other foreign countries. We have to assume that Biden is corrupted. Um, And basically, I'm thinking the president of the United States needs to address the American people about his family's relationship with the Chinese. There's just too much evidence out there that suggests that he has been bribed. Yeah, I think there really is, and I think there's no question about that. I, I don't expect the president to do that anytime soon. I mean, this guy's on record saying, I never spoke to my son about any of his dealings, and yet we've got a voice message, clear as day, where he says, hey, son, I just read the New York Times. Seems like you're in the clear. I mean, we've got all kinds of evidence, more than they had against OJ against this guy, and nothing is getting done. Now, we move from China to Russia. Here's the story. Putin's timeline for storing tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus is hard to believe. The story is is that Putin is threatening to uh, store some of these nuclear weapons in Belarus because he's, quote-unquote, 
about to use them. What are your thoughts on that? Well, this is at first a blackmail move because Putin from the beginning of this war has threatened to use his nukes and obviously has moderated Biden's support for Ukraine um, because we're not trying to win there. We're just trying to manage the situation. And obviously the U.S. has been intimidated. Now, it's when you start to act intimidated, the Chinese and Russians then ramped up their nuke threats. And at some point we're going to have to stand up to them because if we don't, it's going to mean that the Chinese and Russians will be actually in the United States. At some point, you have to say to the Chinese and Russians, no, stop the threats. We're not going to be intimidated. We haven't reached that point yet. And that means we're in danger. I speak to so many smart people on this show, Gordon. Uh, you may be the smartest, Gordon G. Chang, on Twitter. Uh, people much smarter than me, much smarter, including Peter King. And they are so dead set, including former Governor Pataki, they are so dead set on supporting Ukraine in this, and they don't care how long it takes, but you just said it. We are clearly, clearly not interested in helping them win because we've got the weaponry. We've got what they need to get it done, and we just keep kind of dragging along a couple of hundred billion there. A couple. Of, I mean, it's clear. It's clear we are not interested in them winning. They're going to drag this out forever, Zelensky, because he just wants the money and the attention. How do smart people not realize that? Well, I think that it's more Zelensky wants to win, but it's Biden doesn't want him to win because he's been intimidated. And by the way, Sid, you're as smart as they come. And matter of fact, yeah. we'd be a lot better if you were sitting in the Oval Office <laughs> than that guy who, you know... <laughs> Who just is not there. Uh, and I'm not Thank referring you. to his maybe lack of mental capacity. I'm just referring to his having all the wrong ideas. Well, that was uh, very sweet. Thank you. Coming from you, that actually, that that, uh, that means a lot to me. So now we've got, uh, it seems like the world is on fire again. They're protesting the streets of Israel this morning because of a Netanyahu move. I know they're also protesting in France. They're also protesting in Germany this morning. We've got all these issues with uh, the Ukraine and Russia and China. I know the little guy in North Korea is going to get something done here sometime soon. It didn't seem like... And maybe it was my perception because I bought into Trump so bigly. But it didn't seem like during Trump's four years this was going on the way it is right now, this morning, today. Was that Sid's perception or fact? It's fact. We had peace and stability during Trump's era. You know, as I said, I don't agree with all the things that Trump did. But we had four years where the bad actors were not thinking that they could do whatever they wanted with impunity. And, you know, we have had so many problems in the Obama administration. We've had so many problems in the Biden administration. We had four great years. And as I said before, you know, Trump should have won the Nobel Peace Prize for the Abraham Accords. He really did something that no other president could do. Um, And yet, you know, the the elites in this country, elites around the world are so anti-Trump. But we had four good years. Is there any way... Uh, we'll wrap it up with this, that Putin is removed from power. You keep hearing that's how this war is going to end. His own people, I mean, the Ukrainians aren't going to kill him. We're not going to kill him. What are the odds that Putin is, quote, unquote, in any capacity, I don't buy into it, by the way, removed from power in an attempt to end this war? 
Oh, I'd say that right now they're maybe somewhere between 15 to 20 percent. That's higher than I think. Not really possible, but yeah. not really likely. Not really likely. So, again, I know it's not a football game, much harder to predict, right? It's not four quarters and three hours. It, this could go on for months. It's already gone on for 14 months, if not years. But how does it end? I wish I knew. Um, you know, Biden can end it by supplying the weapons that um, and, and enforcing sanctions, um, but he's not interested in doing that. So, you know, very well, maybe the American people sort of give up, and that means Russia takes over Ukraine. Then Russia starts attacking NATO. China sees a green light to invade Taiwan. If we don't win, this, Ukraine is a proxy war between China and the U.S. If we don't win. This world is going to fall apart, and it's going to be really, really bad. We're going to be fighting on American streets because wow. in the first moments of a war in Asia, Sid, the war gets fought here. The Chinese turn off our lights. They turn off the water. They detonate bombs. This becomes a very – this becomes a war zone. My uh, beautiful wife, Danielle, we in the marathon in Tokyo, as you know, Gordon, two weeks ago. And uh, she was a little concerned. You know, I mean, I think uh, she probably reads too much into some of these things, but – she was a little concerned. If, if I was living right now in Japan, should I be concerned? Yes. And if you're living in Burkina Faso, you should be concerned. And if you're living in New York City, you should really, really be concerned. Why New York City? There's no place that's safe. Why New York City? Why would you single out New York City? Well, because the Chinese are going to move against every major American metropolitan center. So you, you, really, you really can envision a scenario, real thing here, Gordon, not some, you know, some uh, movie that with Otto Schwarzenegger. You really envision a scene where the Chinese drop bombs in New York City. That's entirely possible. Um, remember, once this war starts in Asia, it's not going to stay conventional in all probability. And in any event, as I said, on the first day of that war, you're going to lose your electricity. You're going to lose your water. You're going to lose a lot of basic services. There's going to be chaos. That's the way the Chinese are going to fight this war. I, I felt bad. Like, I'm worried about the Mets and the Marlins on Thursday. <laughs> like, I, I'm excited about FAU playing college basketball on Saturday night, Gordon, when you have all these. This is, like, really, really serious stuff, and that's why your appearances on this show are so important, so important, because you're brilliant and you're great, and uh, we need to know what's really going on because the media lies. You don't. So thank you for another great appearance. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Sid. And, by the way, I do most years worry about the Mets. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, another Met fan. I see how every time Gordon's on, I love him even more. That's the great Gordon Chang. Follow him this morning on Twitter. He's fascinating. At Gordon G. Chang. That is a great three hours. Joe Tacopina, Gordon Chang. Also spoke to Rich Lowry and Curtis Sliwa. Got an exciting 9 o'clock hour coming up, which includes Dove Hiking. Right now they're protesting on the streets in Israel. We'll tell us about that. More of Liz Pipko, and we'll play Sid's Take, brought to you by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. The Gap Band, you dropped a bomb on me as we wrap up our number three.
love this band, love this song, Genesis. Not uh, Phil Collins, not Mike Rutherford, not Peter Gabriel, but Tony Banks. Today's uh, Tony's birthday. Is that right, Lewis? Let's see. Yes, it is. So you may have noticed uh, during these four or uh, three great hours, they've been great. Again, Curtis Sliwa, terrific, and Rich Lowry, and Joseph Takapina, and uh, most recently Gordon Chang. The uh, <laughs> reaction to Gordon is visceral. It may be even worse than the people who are blaming me for Andrew Cuomo on Friday night. They're like, you get this mother effer off the radio. <laughs> this is propaganda, drama, stop it. No one's dropping bombs. But you may have noticed, and, uh, and of course, Liz Pipko has been great all morning. She's still here. That uh, no Macedonia Bill. Well, maybe you didn't notice. But if you did, there's a reason. And this is uh, tragic news, I must say. That Macedonia Phil is now down to just one hour on Sid and Friends in the morning because he's so good at something. I don't know what the hell it is. But clearly the station needs him in a different capacity. He's good at something else. And we're not... Um, we don't have other qualified people to do it. They've removed, despite me uh, fighting it, they've removed Macedonia Phil for uh, three out of the four hours. So now he shows up at 9 o'clock in the morning in a turtleneck and slacks <laughs> instead of 5 o'clock in the morning in the pants that he made poopy in last night in some stupid-looking NBA jersey. He came in looking like he was going to teach a class. I mean, seriously. <laughs> what? Do they tell you you have to dress differently, too? No. How it's, do you feel about your first day in your new position? It sucks. But yeah, I have to keep a uh, positive attitude so it doesn't suck. Oh, hey, listen, you got it, You get an hour with us. you got a job. Yeah, it's yeah. different. It's, it's weird, like, waking up when the sun's out and going out and seeing people in the morning. Not yeah. just homeless people due to right. themselves on the subway. But it's probably safer because you live in a horrible neighborhood in uh, Brooklyn. So, Well, that's why I wore the turtleneck today because I didn't feel the need, the, the opportunity of getting mugged. So I, like, <laughs> yeah. I can actually dress up. Well, what, what are you doing now that you uh, that they, they, they took you from us? So they, they felt belly about it, but they need you and some other. What do you do now? What, what's the big deal? What's... Well, now I come in and I have to assist Curtis and Greg Kelly with their shows. You hate both of those guys. That's not true. It is true. And you hate their shows. Hate them. <laughs> You hate their shows. That's also not true. 100% true. What do you think? We don't talk after every show? You hate their shows. What are you trying to do here? You're I'm to just being honest. Push me out of Why the Why would they put time? you on shows that you hate when you when you love this show when you're on it? I, don't, I can't tell you. It's it's not my call. Yeah. You know, I, I, I fought to stay on the show, but mm. they need people elsewhere, so they moved me. Well, that says a lot about you. That's a big deal. Congratulations. Your mom must be very proud. <laughs> not, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, probably, I'm proud of you. I did miss you this morning. It wasn't any different, probably. No, no, it was much different. Because I talk to you and, and Justin every morning before the show starts, and then I like to listen to your stupid conversations with all the guys from Morano's show, Blaze, and the rest of these tards. And I was missing this morning, so. Yeah, it's one less target to stick your finger in their ear <laughs> off air. Right, oh, that too. Yeah. And then right. I didn't like the breakfast that Justin brought back today because he doesn't know what I usually get, and he got me uh, the, the bagel had way too much cream cheese. So when you're here, you know how to get me an egg white omelet, the whole thing, you know. I mean, Justin yeah. asked me. He tried, but he screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, only only people like me could order breakfast correctly. Oh, you're not an errand boy. Well, you are now, buddy. Well, what do you think Macedonia Phil? You think he was an errand boy? Exactly, yes. Oh, okay, then I stand corrected. Now you take my job, you're going to be an errand boy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. See how it comes out, Lou? I'm not an errand boy. Yes, you are. I'm staying out of it. Oh, my God. Look at the, the little sibling rivalry. They shouldn't have even given Phil an hour now. No. I know. Well, they're, they're going to take it away. Cheers going to take it away. Cheers going to take it away. So you're on 9 to 5. They'll make them 10 to 6. So you could do John. Actually, John's show is a, is a great show. 
Oh, you do Buster Only show now too? I'm sorry, who? No, um, uh, <laughs> no I'll let you Bo Snurdly. Yeah, right? I always say Buster Only. <laughs> the Buster Only's never existed. It's never been a name of any person that's ever lived. He's Buster. like the most famous ESPN baseball guy on the planet, Buster Only. I know, I'm joking. Yeah. And you do Rudy's show? Uh, yeah, I'm doing the board. So why do you mention only Curtis and Greg Kelly? Well, I said I was prepping for their shows. Oh, okay. But then Bo and uh, Rudy, I, I do yeah. something on, I guess. All right. All right. Well, good, a good use of Phil's talents right there. Yeah, well, thank <laughs> you, Phil. We, we, at least we have you for an hour. That's a big deal. So I suppose. It is. If you have anything you want to talk about in the final hour, come come in and just tell me, and we'll, we'll see if we can discuss it. I've had it. really bad indigestion problems recently. <laughs> is that true? Yes. You want to talk about it? My stomach feels like it's, it's going to explode. <laughs> Okay, get out of here. Thank okay. you. I'm going to miss tomorrow's class. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I get a call, uh, Liz, on uh, Friday it was. And by the way, we've covered every major topic here, from Trump's rally in Waco, Texas, to Alvin Bragg, Joe Tacopino, who devoured Chuck Todd to meet the press yesterday. It was great an hour ago. But we've done it all today. Gordon Chang, China, Russia. We did Rich Lowry, the Joe Biden stuff. And we did uh, Curtis. I get a call from Melissa. Uh, you met her a couple yeah. of weeks ago from the magazine. Mm-hmm. So now they want to do the interview to go with the pictures they took in studio. And you were a big help that day. And, um, you know, I'm very reluctant these days when I do interviews to talk about, you know, the uh, the drugs, the drink, all those things that derail me. Because, look, it's a part of my life. There's no question. On one hand, I'm happy to share it because that may inspire somebody who's having difficulties right now right. to beat it. Um so in that respect, I'm I'm okay talking about it, but I, it's it's in my first book. It's every time you Wikipedia me, you Google me, it comes up, and I want to get to the point eventually where it's like I can move past all that. And like the first five questions <laughs> were were about that. So I know you've done interviews when you've done magazines before. Right. I went along with it, but I said in the interview, I said, you know, I don't really like to talk about this because I know you weren't happy. And then they asked the next question was was the <laughs> same topic. Like- yeah. That happened to you ever? How does, that, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, I don't have as many cool drug stories. You don't so. have any cool drug stories? No, I don't. Not but, that involve me. But wait a second. Aren't you, you're like a real supermodel, so you had to do a heroin or something at some point, no? Nothing? <laughs> Never in my life. I've seen it all. You have seen it? Yes. Yeah. I have some cool stories. Nothing cool that I did. Um, if you want a funny or cool modeling story. I do. My friend and I were reminiscing on this the other day. Shout out to Jasmina. We had... Just met. We were signed by a big agency. We were probably 17 or 18. So you're looking about a decade ago. Why do you have to remind me? You look very I, I, No one would ever think you're 27. Oh you God. still look like you're 15 years old. Thank and was this New York or Miami? This was New York. Okay. Uh, it was our agency's Christmas party. We show up terrified out of our minds, as usual. Um, because these guys in, in this business, they're, mm. they're, they're like uh, pariahs. They're, they're, they're horrible people. I think it was more so it was a big agency lot with like famous models. And oh. she and I were like newbies. Oh, we you were teenagers. Sure, right. Sure. Um, it's Is she very pretty? She's very pretty. Yes. Okay. It's obviously in a nightclub, even though we're 17, 18 years old. Really? Yes. Like Marquee, one of those places in the city? One of those, yes. Yeah. We walk in and yeah. it says, and you know those like inflatable giant balloon letters? Yeah, it sure. says black panties. On the wall, and both of us are like, what the hell it says black does that panties. mean? Black panties. Right. And we're like, what on earth could that mean? Yeah. So we're enjoying our, our adult life, <laughs> our night with people much older than us. Yeah. Um, and then I want to say two hours in, we notice R. Kelly rolls in. R. Kelly. With some friends of his. We realized Black Panties was the name of his album he had just released. And no kidding. our agency threw a Christmas party with a lot of our teenage models, including myself and Jasmina, uh, which was set to turn into R. Kelly's album release party. Oh, my God. Yeah. So did so. you actually make the album cover? No, God, no. Oh, thank God Can for you that. Imagine? 
Oh my God, he's no, like but... he, he's like a uh, predator. This guy, right? So apparently, they thought it was a good idea for him to celebrate his album release with a bunch of underage models oh. in New York City. Right, but he didn't know that. Arguably. I am sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> sure obviously, they were all pretty in on it. It wasn't like they said to you before: make sure you wear black panties, because <laughs> at some point when R. Kelly arrives. Everybody's getting right. stripping down to their black panties. Yeah, it would have been more and like, that's the picture. make sure you wear no panties right. or whatever <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. No, wow. they did not warn us. But, and I don't think in the moment we realized what the hell was going on. But now looking back a few years Well, back then you probably later, thought it was cool. Like, R. Kelly was a big deal. It was, yeah, I, mean, I didn't know why he was at this club. Yeah, it seems kind of weird. Yeah. Who were 17 years old or why we were invited to this in the first did place. Did you make the cover of that magazine? No, no. Which magazine? Whatever magazine R. Kelly was doing that night. You know it was I mean? his album release for his, his? music. Okay, yeah, so yeah. there was no magazine Nothing that to night. do with modeling. No, just him celebrating his album with some celebrities who I will not mention and a bunch of underage models. Wow. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> it's a weird uh, world, that uh, that modeling world. It really is. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot, yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, a lot of the girls who do it, they never get better. I don't know what happens. <laughs> I don't know if the, every one of them is is um i'm not i don't know the, between the, the way they tell you to eat right the drugs, you need to not eat not the way eat. to tell you not right. to eat right i mean i mean to be honest um you're in very good shape but you don't eat much throughout the day i mean you don't, I don't. you don't even eat before noon <laughs> no I and do is not. that because it, was that the modeling side that taught you that do you feel better when you do that why do you do that um i was actually um a competitive figure skater growing up too so between the agents and the coaches yeah i was yeah. very much inspired to not eat it sounds it's horrible yeah. Actually, at my agency, I remember... Why don't they just send people like uh, Chris Farley or uh, <laughs> Belushi to these people? <laughs> I, mean, I about remember my agent Duke. telling me to eat paper when I was hungry. Oh, just stop it now. I swear to God, because eat you don't paper? get calories, then you'll feel full. Paper has no calories? Apparently not. So did you do it? I did not do it. You did do it, no, didn't I you? Didn't. Yes, you did. No, no, I swear. Uh, now it makes sense, but there's loosely paper all over your house. <laughs> everywhere. Could you imagine that, Lewis, eat paper? Yeah, or maybe tissues, things like that. You know, I don't understand that. I, I, I never, for me, Yeah. this is just Sid Rosenberg, um, a woman needs to be curvy, right. needs to have a figure. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why they want these women so skinny. They look like little boys. Yeah, we're supposed to be, I think I said this before, clothing hangers. Yeah, but why? What's attractive about that? You're asking the and then person. And then what happens is you all get crazy. I mean, you're crazy to begin with. Women. Right, you're right. telling me. Yeah. And then it gets worse. And then when you get older, it gets even worse. Mm-hmm. Then you mm-hmm. start going, you get 19,000 different facelifts and boob jobs. And, <laughs> I mean, it never ends for you poor people. That is that is fair, yeah. Yeah. You're painting my future really nicely. I am, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Can't yeah. wait. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. It's stupid. Guys don't want that. No, guys don't want that. No. Yeah, you're when right you about that. looking healthy. Right, they want somebody healthy. Exactly right. Yeah. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Now, Melania, for example, mm-hmm. Donald Trump's wife, she's beautiful. She is. but And she's a supermodel, but she's not a stick figure, right? Uh, no, I don't think. I think she was like one of those who like had boobs and like was known for being like, right, a, like right. a sex symbol. Right, more than, more than right. like a, a, a magazine. Hanger, yeah. But she never graced a cover of any magazine when she was first lady. That's true. And it took Jill Biden two weeks <laughs> to get on the cover of, yes. of one of those famous magazines. Although she right? had already been on Vogue as Donald Trump's wife. Who had? Uh, Melania. Melania. Okay. Right. So she didn't really need, you know, the help right. that comes with the right. White House. She right. already did it. Right, right. Yeah. That's true. Okay. But it, it, it seemed odd. It's, if well, you see her, it's definitely right, odd. Right. Big difference, yes. Right. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Dove Hyken. He is live. Well, he's not live in Israel this morning. I think he's back in New York. But he's here to talk about all the protests. And uh, right now, Israel is on fire. Netanyahu decided to fire the defense minister 
and uh, that has caused the people to take to the streets in Israel. It's becoming a very, very big deal. And it's not just Israel. I mean, they've got protests right now on the streets in France, in Germany. We talked to Gordon Chang about what's going on in places like Russia, China, North Korea. When I asked him if people in Japan should be nervous, he said yes. I mean, it is just the world is on fire. And if you pay attention to foreign policy and things going on outside the U.S., not that there aren't a million issues inside the U.S., right. but outside the U.S., then you come to the quick realization that, my God, what a difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I mean, night and day. Night and day. Yeah. We have none of these issues. None of them. None. No. Hopefully that's uh, Trump makes that point clear in his attempt to, uh, to get reelected. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. We'll play Sid's Take. We'll talk to Dove Hyken. What is going on in Israel this morning? This epic Monday morning show continues with New York's favorite talk show, Sid and Friends in the Morning, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Folks, next Friday, March 31st, God, such a great song, such a great song. Next Friday, March 31st, spend the evening with Frankie Avalon, Luke Christie, and Jay Siegel's The Tokens at the Carteret Performing Arts and Event Center, hosted by your very own, the great, and I mean the great, Cousin Brucey, my man Brucey. Tickets are on sale at CarteretPack.com or call 877-TIC-CPAC. That's 877-849-2722. But luckily for 77 WABC listeners, I've got a pair of tickets to give away right now. Be calling number 7-1-800-848-WABC. That's the seventh caller, 1-800-848-9222, and a pair of tickets to see Frankie Avalon, Luke Christie, and Jay Siegel's The Tokens at the Carteret Performing Arts Center is yours. Okay, we've uh, covered just about every major story this morning between Rich Lowry, Joseph Takapina, and Gordon Chang. But the one we'll cover now is taking place in Israel, where they have taken to the streets protesters everywhere. Netanyahu fired the Minister of Defense, and the folks are not happy, and they've taken to the streets. Now, to really get an inside look at what's going on here, decided to bring on the man 
who although he spent the better part of four decades as a great assemblyman in Borough Park, Brooklyn, is in Israel all the time, loves that country more than anybody I know him in Dershowitz, and knows a lot about the happenings going on there. So he is back again, my dear friend, Dove Hyken. Good morning, Dove. Uh, good morning, Sid. It's good to be with you. Great to have you back. So give me the backstory here. Netanyahu fires the Prime Minister of Defense. I need to know why he did it. And then being that Netanyahu was so popular, at least I thought he was, with the Israelis, why are they so angry? Well, uh well, he fired the uh, defense minister who's part of the Likud, part of his own political party, which is part of the, the majority, 64 seats, because basically he went against the government. He went against the prime minister. You can't do that. Uh, just imagine uh, the president of the United States, Biden, and his defense minister <laughs> contradicts the president of the United States in front of everybody. It doesn't work that way. He would be fired. Look, the bottom line about all of this that's going on, judicial reform in Israel. Uh, Sid, everyone agrees there needs to be change in Israel in terms of the judiciary. The the way things work in Israel, the Supreme Court in Israel, I just got to tell you, can nullify any appointment that the government makes, can intervene in military affairs, can nullify any decision by the parliament. They, By the way, the way you get on the Supreme Court is that other judges choose you to be on the Supreme Court. You don't have any of the checks and balances that we have in the United States. So, you know, elections have consequences. The political right won the election. They're in charge. Now, could they have done it a little better? Could there have been more discussion? I would have hoped there would have been. There wasn't. But the bottom line is that change needs to happen in Israel. Let me also point out, uh, you know, I don't think when you look at Prime Minister Netanyahu, the media in Israel, which is basically very much to the left, if you think Trump had a problem with the American media being slanted, double standard, the way they treated him and the way they still treat him, I mean, you cannot imagine the way Netanyahu was treated. They hate him with a passion. They get up in the morning, the, you know, when he got elected just now, again, to continue to serve as prime minister, they had knipshes. They went crazy. They went insane having Netanyahu as the prime minister again. So, look, uh, you know, when hundreds of thousands of people go into the streets, you know, I'm not going to minimize that and say, eh, it's not a big deal. It's just a minority. But let's remember, I want to look at this, uh, Sid. Look at the beautiful democracy that Israel is. Look at the rallies, the demonstrations going on all over Israel, and basically in a very peaceful way. What other country in the Middle East? I mean, they'd be shooting people in the streets in literally every other country of the Middle East. Israel is a beautiful democracy. There are serious issues right now with, you know, that are going on that need to be dealt with. And I, I'm telling you right now, predicting that there are going to be serious changes to the judiciary. Maybe not to the extent that the right wing wants to make those changes, but there will be changes. Well, can, can you, know, you give me, Dov, 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 can you uh, give me, can you give me some practical changes? Can we give me just something material I can kind of sink my teeth into in terms of judicial reform? Well, just to give you an example, in yeah. terms of the judiciary, it's what they want to change. One of the things, one of the most important changes is changing the Judicial Appointments Committee. In other words, that more people 
not just judges, but members of different political parties will be involved in choosing judges. Right now, judges are chosen by the judges. No one has any power. No one has any control. Look, let's just remember what happened when Donald Trump, you know, he won that election in 2016. There were openings on the Supreme Court. Do we remember the reaction to Donald Trump's appointments to the Supreme Court? Do we remember how Kavanaugh was treated by the left, by the media, or Amy Barrett? They went crazy. They went insane. So, look, change is going to happen. Uh, I hope that Netanyahu and his government will sit down with the opposition, not to do what they want, but to compromise and work together. There are consequences to elections. Netanyahu won the election. He is the prime minister with a majority of 64, uh, which is a big majority in the state of Israel in the Knesset. So work has to be done, no question about it. But a lot of this is driven. Let's remember that uh, two of the opposition leaders, Bennett and Gantz, right? Uh, uh, Bennett was the former prime minister. I mean, they're, they're out there like all they are interested in is bringing down Prime Minister Netanyahu. That's all they care about. Like Trump here, but are there some legitimate issues on the other side? Yes, you have to explain. But you have to explain this to me. You have to explain this to me because uh, people that don't live there don't understand it. Netanyahu won, so he's supposed to be in charge. Yet you're talking about two guys who are part of the "quote unquote" opposition. So explain to people who don't understand the everyday politics in Israel why the quote-unquote opposition still has a voice in government when this guy Netanyahu actually won. Well, listen, Israel is a democracy, so everyone in the opposition. Look, you, you have uh, uh, over a dozen members of the Knesset who represent the Arab communities in Israel, within Israel. They speak out. They stand up. They they demonstrate. They rally. And by the way, they are against this judicial reform. But look, guys like Gantz and guys like uh, uh, Bennett, uh, you know, they uh, and others, you know, politics is a huge part of all of this. It drives the agenda in Israel, no question about it. The labor parties in Israel, which are very, very left, that, that literally closed Ben-Gurion Airport this morning to outgoing flights. Wow. It's all part of a concerted effort. But the bottom line, Sid, it's democracy at work. It's beautiful as far as I'm concerned. Yes, issues, problems, difficulties, but it's democracy. And they will work it out. And let me tell you, anyone who bets against Netanyahu is going to lose the bet. I feel like the media is already betting against him. I'm just watching out of the corner of my eye this morning, CNN, MSNBC. They're like, oh, this Netanyahu, look what he's caused. Look what he's done. Am I right about that? Yeah, of course, Sid. CNN, are you kidding me? I mean, they are so far to the left. MSNBC, even more to the left. The media in general, the New York Times, the worst enemy Israel has in the world is the New York Times. So you'll never get anything fair out of the New York Times when it comes to Bibi Netanyahu. I mean, they hate some of these guys like Smutrich and uh, some of the others who represent the religious in Israel. They don't like them. They don't like the way they look. They don't like the, the, the Sfardim, the, the, uh, you know, the 
Jews from Middle Eastern countries who are now part of the power structure of Israel. You know, it's the elites who want to run the show. They've been doing it since 1948, and they want to continue. And all we're saying is, hey, baby, it's called democracy. Elections, consequences, change. Now, you should work with others and listen to them. You listen. You try to compromise. But you do what you believe needs to be done, because that's why the people elected you. How does this end, Doe Biken? I, I, I think there will be compromise, there will be discussion, and I guarantee you, Sid, there will be serious changes to the way the court system works in Israel. It's all about being fair. It's all about representing everyone, not just the elites in Israel. So it'll be okay. It makes people nervous. You see all this stuff. I get up every morning, Sid. First thing I do when I open my eyes is look at all the Israeli news uh, uh, sites and newspapers. And let me tell you, you know, like you see all this, you know, these demonstrations and rallies. And I respect them. I respect them. When you have hundreds of thousands of people going out into the streets, I respect that because that is democracy. But there were elections. You guys lost. You guys on the left lost the elections. Too bad. You know, it's funny. When I hear you say you guys on the left lost the elections, wrap it up with this. You know, uh, you're on the show a lot because I happen to think you're great with all this stuff, and you become the voice, if you will, of anti-Semitism, the fight against it, I should say, and the Jewish people. But you've also kind of become the voice of uh, Jews that have gone sideways on Trump. And when I hear you say you lost the election tough, something says to me you're kind of also speaking to Trump, who refuses to admit that he lost back in 2020. Well, I uh, I am speaking to Trump, but it's not just uh, 2020. Uh, I mean, again, I mean, Donald Trump, who's done so many great things, no one can take that away from him. He accomplished so much during his administration. But you got to sometimes look in the mirror and recognize that you are the enemy. I, I, I really mean that. You know, I, I have not forgotten Kanye West and the fact that Donald Trump to this day, you know, said knowing how to say I'm sorry to your wife, to your husband, to your children, to your community, we all make mistakes. I have never met anyone in my life, starting with myself, who's perfect and far from it. Knowing how to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have behaved that way. And just a couple of days ago, Donald Trump talking about using violence, holding a baseball bat next to a picture of the DA of Manhattan, who you know what I think of him, okay? He's a piece of crap, the DA of Manhattan. He's dangerous. He's on the side of the criminals. And, And all he's consumed with is Donald Trump. I get that. But a former president to talk about using violence in this country? Is that insane? Is that normal? Is that what we want? Clearly no. (laughs) I mean, I've known you for a lot of years. We've had Shabbos dinner at your house, me and my family. I've stood outside libraries and other places and public places uh, next to you providing the muscle. I've never, ever, ever heard you, a religious revered man refer to somebody as a piece of crap so that says to me that you're really angry 
with the I former was, president. I was being nice, by the way. <laughs> I know that. You, you really were. Hey, what a, what a great uh, appearance. Thank you for uh, telling us what's going on there in Israel and, and uh, clearing up any misconceptions about Mr. Netanyahu. And uh, you're right. That is democracy at work, and that's a beautiful thing. As you are, Dove Hiking, a beautiful thing. Thank you so much. Sid, love you. I love you, too. Dove Hiking right here in Sid and Friends in the morning. We'll play Sid's take coming up next to compete. No, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, we'll play Liz today. What is today? She gets so today upset. it is She uh, beat me last Monday. time. Yeah, movies. You beat me last time. She wants to go out on top. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll challenge you. Let's do it. You, you're ready to play? I'm ready to play. All right. So it'll be me against Liz coming up she next. She cleaned up last time. She did what? She cleaned up last oh, time. Oh, she killed me. She mm-hmm. killed me. Well, I think you guys cheated, to be honest. They I, actually didn't. Uh, I think nope. No, nope. No, no. I, I think but Phil you can you have the, it today. I think Phil showed you the answers before the game. Yeah. Because Phil has a crush on you. <laughs> um, he wishes he did the game now. Yeah. But he didn't. Boy, now it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take! Sid's Take, yeah! Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Oi, oi, oi. The. Sid's Take Trivia Game, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. Find a dealer near you. They are America's best built boilers. Justin Alec, your host for the game and now author of the game, given that uh, Macedonia Phil is no longer of Macedonian descent and does not originate on this here program. Although Phil is sitting in there for the time being, a little bit sidetracked. What's going on, Phil? How do you feel? Creeping me out. He's just staring at me. Yeah, he's staring. It's weird. All right, anyway. (laughs) He's like that creepy teacher in the lecture hall. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's just staring at you. Anyway, uh, our contestant for the game, our wonderful guest co-host here, Liz Pipcomb. How are you on this Monday morning, Liz? I'm nervous. How Mm -hmm. are you? I wouldn't be nervous. (laughs) I wouldn't be nervous. The game is... um, About this? A mere formality. I'm not a good loser. No, No. but uh, who is? Then be nervous. You like to win, but you really hate to lose. That's it, isn't it? Putting it lightly. Yeah, yeah that's what uh, that's what they said in the Miracle, nineteen eighty-two. My favorite movie. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. Movie Monday, movie trivia. On this day in nineteen seventy-three, who was the Godfather actor that declined to accept the award for Best Actor at the Oscars while he protested the event for Hollywood's role in the portrayal of Native uh, Native Americans in film? There is no chance. I'm gonna know. Well, like, if you think about, like, the the top actors in The Godfather. You know, I never saw The Godfather. Oh, wow. See, that's that's your first problem. That's your first problem. I bet if you told me, though, I would know who the person was. Well, uh, the correct answer there would be Marlon Brando. Brando. Got it. Okay, see, at least I know who he is. Well, now you know. You learn something new every day. (laughs) Number two, over one. Today is Quentin Tarantino's 60th birthday. What independent film that was directed, written, and acted in by Tarantino was his first commercial success in 1992? There's zero chance. He doesn't know. What kind of questions are these? Well, this is, I mean, this is a classic And filled in right This is another film that you probably should just... See, just generally. Unless it was the cocaine bear we discussed earlier. I'm going to know it. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I Reservoir Dog. You haven't even heard of it. Oh, my God. Wow. It's a problem. That's a good movie. Have to get <laughs> well, now you have two movies that you got to go see. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> On to number three, over two. What TV show was Jack Nicholson referencing when he ad-libbed, Here's Johnny in The Shining? 
Yeah, I shouldn't be playing this. Mm. <laughs> I literally have no idea. Well, I mean, show names with Johnny in them. You have no idea. It's long ago. Though. She's like, she, I can see the inside of her brain. And <laughs> I have no just, idea. Yeah. I also want Sid to win today. That's why I'm Oh, oh I see. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hit her with the loser. Air is going through the... Uh, loser! Wow. The correct answer there would be The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. I have heard of that. Yes, you have. <laughs> <laughs> On to number four, over three. In an attempt to just get one right here. Okay. Who took over the role of Bruce Wayne's love interest, Rachel Dawes, in The Dark Knight, following Katie Holmes' exit after Batman Begins? I know this. Yes, this you do. This is my brother's favorite uh, series. It was uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Very good. Oh. Yay. I haven't seen it, though. Oh, but I know. Still. <laughs> she hasn't seen it. She's aware. Yeah. That's all right. All right. One for four thus far. In an attempt to okay. go two for five, on to number five. Ray Liotta passed away on May 26, 2022, just a week after he completed re-recording some of his lines in post-production for what very popular recently released dark comedy that's based on a true story. There's no way. You just said you it. You just said I it. I said it? Yeah. Yes. Like two minutes ago. Jesus. What, okay. did we, what did we talk about earlier? The model's doing this. Cocaine. Co- cocaine, <laughs> cocaine what? Uh, Cocaine oh, one? it's cocaine, baby. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. See, I wasn't really listening. Okay. Do you believe in miracles? Pretty much gift-wrapped that <laughs> one and handed it right to you. If it was miracle-themed, yeah. I would have won. <laughs> okay. Next time. Two Next for time. five. Not a very no, good game. I think that was one. Not a, was not the one. best game I've, I've heard so Okay. No. Thanks, yeah. for your, uh, thanks for your yeah. input there, Phil. I don't, know. Write, I don't really know much about it. You didn't write the questions, right? No, I did That's why I failed. I know. Well, I was. Yeah, you need more Airbud questions. Exactly. Yeah, right. Totally. That's what that's what we're missing. In high school, Chris Bosch once said, "That would have been oh, great." God. Uh, what do we got here? Now she got one right. Uh, she got two right. Two right. You got to right. go three for five to win today's game. Uh, ready? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Number one. On this day in 1973, who was the Godfather actor that declined to accept the award for Best Actor at the Oscars while he protested the event for Hollywood's role in the portrayal of Native Americans in film? Got to be Marlon Brando. Yeah. Right? yeah that's <laughs> I didn't even know he did that. This known he's such a maniac. Well, he didn't even go. Yeah. One for one on number two. Today is Quentin Tarantino's 60th birthday. What independent film that was directed, written, and acted in by Tarantino was his first commercial success in 1992? Reservoir Dogs? There you go. Oh, it's such a good A lot of blood and gore in that one. That was before Pulp Fiction. Listen. Mm-hmm. Were you even born in 92? No. When were you born? What year? 95. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Year before me. <laughs> Damn, I was married three years already. Oh, my Goodness gracious. Yeah. On to number three, two for two. Cocaine was long gone by then. <laughs> yeah. No, I was still doing plenty of cocaine. Let's oh, go. Oh, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. What TV show was Jack Nicholson re- uh, referencing when he ad-libbed, Here's Johnny in The Shining? Johnny Carson, right? Yeah. Spectacular. You say these right? What year were you born? Oh, 95. Oh. Right. I don't like movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't like any movies? No. But you want to be an actress? You would like movies then? Right. I don't would like want, books would... that I haven't written. I don't like movies I'm not in. You don't read books. You don't like <laughs> it books. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, it does make sense. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's won today's game. So if I actually stopped watching every movie that I wasn't in... You still just, have movies to watch have, coming yeah, up. I don't, I've only been in one movie. For mm-hmm. now. One, yeah. <laughs> Are you ready for number four? Yes. Welcome, welcome to Planet Pipco. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice planet. Oh yeah. Who took over the role of Bruce Wayne's love interest, Rachel Dawes, in The Dark Knight, following Katie Holmes' exit after Batman Begins? Oh, come on. Nobody knows this. I did. She did. You got this right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. It was uh, Halle Berry. Nope. nope. Maggie Gyllenhaal so would be the correct answer there. Who was it? 
Maggie Gyllenhaal? Oh, she's cute. Yeah, I don't know. No, I wouldn't say <laughs> that. Buddy. Jake's up, but he's cute. Yeah. Bit of a uh, butter face. Yeah. On to no, number five, fine. Ray Liotta oh, passed away on fine. May 26, 2022, just a week after he completed re-recording some of his lines in post-production for what very popular recently released dark comedy. <laughs> Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I love it. That is a, and he plays a part of Sid. And his grandson in the movie's name is Gabe. How about that? Isn't that mm. crazy? Yeah. It's a good movie, That's Cocaine a, Bear. This is why it'll be your favorite movie. Uh, <laughs> plus, plus, hey, my name! It, the, the bear actually snorts the coke <laughs> at one point. It's hilarious. I mean, he eats it mostly because he's in the forest and the bricks, he just eats it. But at one point, he's, he actually snorts it. Uh, we'll come back and uh, wrap things up on this uh, great Monday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Collins in Genesis on Tony Banks' birthday, wrapping up. There's a nice message from Lori. Lori sells a whole bunch of real estate out there in New Jersey. She goes, hilarious show today. Awesome job from Lori. And Bob Cornicelli put up a nice little Instagram post where he referred to you and I, Liz Pipko, as two great Americans. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever called me. <laughs> is, is that right? Is that Would that be the best compliment ever, a great American? Hands down, yeah. Really? Really. I'm crazy like that. You'd rather be called a great American than hot? Yes. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want to combine them. Well, yeah. Great, if hot you're American, a hot American, be that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but well, we all can't be like Sandy. Well, exactly. Right. exactly. Don't hold it against me. I got if you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.